This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. Another week of the opening kickoff is upon us. Good morning. Thanks for hanging with us. Mark Lee, Triple G in the studios of WNSP for the next three hours right here on the sports station. And, of course, uh, we have a lot to get to. You guys can join us at 694-1055. And, of course, you can get us in the app at WNSP.com. Good morning, sir. Hey, Mark. Good morning. Good morning to Nick. Uh, certainly when you look at accomplishments over the weekend, you got to start with, in tennis, the French Open, Novak Djokovic winning the men's title. Mark, it's his 23rd Grand Slam. That's a record. Uh, more than Federer, more than Nadal. Uh, at the age of 36, he wins his third French Open, and now with 23 uh, Grand Slams, uh, winning yesterday. We had, um, remember we had Grant Emfinger on last week? I did. Do you know yesterday was the first time he raced in a NASCAR event? Uh, usually he's in the truck series. What it was, the, he replaced a guy who had a concussion, and it was his first race, NASCAR, and he finished 26th. Uh, he was a, a late entry, of course, for uh, Noah Gregson. In uh, college baseball, we'll talk a lot about that this morning. We'll have uh, Roger Hoover, who was with Alabama at Wake Forest. What a, what a crazy weekend it was. I was actually all set to watch the first game on Saturday, and they had to delay the game for what they called a medical emergency. And, of course, all st- kinds of things run through your mind when you hear that. As it turned out, the producer or the director – for the game passed away unexpectedly at the age of 42. Maybe, you know, Roger, I'll ask him about that. Of course, about the games, too. You know, I was told Wake Forest had a really, really good pitching staff. Didn't talk much about their hitting. My gosh, 22 runs yesterday, nine home runs, which ties an NCAA postseason record. The run total falls one short of a super regional, and Wake Forest becomes the first overall number one seed to reach the College World Series since 2018, and the first time they're going since 1955. Well, they didn't leave any doubt. I know there was some doubt and some uh, some controversy in Game One with some calls miscalled by the umpire and on a on a on a, on a check swing there, and the Alabama fans were up in arms. But as it turns out, there was a there was also a controversial call at the inning before in favor of Alabama. But Wake left no doubt and just absolutely. Obviously, they went for two there at the end of the game to make sure that uh, uh, Alabama had no shot. Hell of a run by Alabama, no doubt, based on everything that's happened with uh, with that program for the season. But they just ran into a buzzsaw, and uh, the better team clearly won. Now the, the story is, will Jason Jackson get the head coaching job? He was named an interim basis to replace Brad Bohannon, who you know was fired during that uh, scandal, the gambling scandal. So Jackson, who directed the team into the Super Regionals, uh, waiting, and we'll see if he winds up getting the job. He is the pitching coach, an interim head coach, uh, to see if he stays on. LSU, uh, they advance. Florida advances. So uh, the SEC guaranteed at least two. Tennessee and Miss, uh, Southern Miss will play today in Game 3. Here's something for you baseball analytic fans. Yesterday, Stanford staved off elimination. They beat Texas 8-3. to What I found interesting about this is they prepare for a Game 3 today. Starting pitcher for Stanford. Quinn Matthews, complete game, struck out 16, 156 pitches. 
Do you think uh, some of the uh, baseball people out there were like, "What? How, no, you can't get, you can't throw that many pitches in a game." Well, he did, and he won. Uh, I, I would presume he will not be. There's in no limit today. in college. No, oh. no, 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 no. Apparently, there's a limit in Major League Baseball. <laughs> Seems like any time, any, every single broadcast. Well, he's up to 91. If he gets to 100, you know, he's never done that before. So this college pitcher goes out. 156 pitches. I don't make guarantees, but I'd guarantee he won't be pitching today in relief. Mm. We should lobby changes. We should go to Congress on this. Yeah, they don't have enough on their plate. Yeah. Mark, a couple of intra, uh, let's say sidelight stories, stories that kind of appeal to you. At the ah, ca- Canadian ah. Open, uh, Nick Taylor becomes the first Canadian to win it in 69 years. He rolled in the 72. 70- two-foot putt to ice it in overtime. They went four holes. But what was afterwards, a couple of Canadian golfers tried to come out on the green and celebrate. One of them was tackled by a security (laughs) guard. The guy was holding a bottle of champagne. This was a big deal up there, you know, Canadian winning. I forgot the guy's name. I think he was a golfer. There were two or three. I know Michael Weir was one of them. And the security guard tackled him in golf on the green because he was coming out to celebrate. Way to go. Well, I mean, them guys up there take their job seriously. In all, honest, in all seriousness, though, if, if a guy's got this huge bottle of champagne, can't we assume that he is someone of note? It's not like these these random average spectators are rolling up to the, to the round, the final round, on the off chance that their guy wins, right? So... Wouldn't seeing the bottle of champagne give the security guard pause as to who that might be? I mean, I'm, they're not selling bottles of champagne at the concession stand, are they? Like, hey, I Lee, go grab a bottle. So. Our guy's getting ready to no, win. They, don't, don't they sell Canadian whiskey up there? I, who knows? I don't know. But all I'm we saying is— We can ask is, Ricchetti. We can ask Ricchetti later yeah, on. Yeah, just because he's Canadian, I don't think he's going to know the answer. I bet he does. I bet, what, uh, that it, if they have Canadian whiskey? Yeah. That he might know, but I'm— but I'm saying he ain't going to have a legitimate reason as to why this guy was oh, no. getting tackled. No, exactly not. All right. One other, uh, well, lots of stories that happened over the weekend. Some great. But this one. So the Miami Heat are playing Denver tonight. They're out in Denver. Game five. They're down three games to one. If they return, if they get the win mark and return. They won't. But if they do, the mascot Bernie's ready to go. Bernie was punched twice by Conor McGregor (laughs) on Friday. Now, Eric Spolster, the coach of Miami, says, this just goes to show you how tough this team is, that the mascot can take two punches from Conor McGregor, go to the hospital, recover, and be ready to go. This was supposed to be a promotional deal, and the mascot, Bernie, came out with big boxing gloves and so forth. For whatever reason, Conor McGregor, and this was part of a promotion that he's got going, took two punches and walloped them. Spolstra says it would have been nice to at least give Bernie the first punch. Yeah, so I don't think that shows you how tough he is. If he wouldn't have had to go to the hospital, it would have shown you how tough he is. But he had to go to the hospital to recover. So I think Conor McGregor, um, if if that's any indication of how this game is going to go, uh, I think the uh, the Nuggets are going to knock um, – Knocked the heat out for sure. I, I I think McGregor got booed also. He was sitting in the first row there on Friday. I didn't see that part of the game, but uh, I, I don't think so, he was very popular after doing that. But if you're McGregor, if you don't knock him out, that 
that that reflects poorly on you. So you have to kind of go out over at, at the mascot. Now I don't know what kind of ma you know headgear that dude's wearing, but clearly there wasn't a whole lot of uh, this padding was, in that thing. But this was for like a promotional thing from McGregor, whatever he's pushing now. You know, it seems like every year he's pushing something different. And I, I will say this: the guy garners publicity wherever he goes. But I, what has he done lately? Does he win? I mean, if that's if that's your claim to fame, I knocked out Bernie the mascot on your resume. That's it. Well, who's he beaten lately? Did it, did it look like he got him that good though? I mean, that's a pretty big headgear that guy's got on. Well, whatever he did, he sent him to the hospital. I don't know. It just seems like that mask would that that gear would absorb some of that punch, but apparently not. Another uh, story. I hope we get the audio for this one. It's 7:30. John Sterling, the voice of the Yankees, radio voice, calling games forever. He was calling the game Saturday night with the Red Sox, and a foul ball came back, and apparently he misjudged it, and it hit him in the head. Now, you know, I've done a lot, a lot of games. I've never had a, a foul ball come back and come close to hitting me in the head. I wonder if Roger Hoover, who we'll talk to at 6:30, but Sterling. And again, you, you can only get the uh, the real gist of this through the audio. Then started to say, "Ow, ow, you know that hurt." And but he called. He finished the play-by-play, -play, Mark. Talk yeah, about he it. gave uh, three owls. Yeah, but there he was finished. nobody in the uh, in the box with him apparently because it was towards the end of the game and his sidekick was going down to the uh, to the field to get a an interview because, as it turns out, you know, in games it appears they are winning. Uh, they go down and get kind of an interview. So the fact that he did it and didn't really miss a beat, there was a little bit of a pause there, but he didn't miss a pitch. Um, now, if this were the mascot for the Heat, he probably would have been unconscious because he got hit in the head apparently yeah. after it ricocheted off the table. So a little slow on the reflexes at 85, Five. 84, 85. 85. But uh, tough as nails for not missing a beat. Yeah, I give him a lot of credit. Uh, look, I've been on the playing field, and I've gotten hit while doing an interview or getting ready to do an interview. Somebody hit me in the back of the head with a baseball. It's not fun, I can assure you. And I, But it, gets, it wasn't batted. This was a batted ball coming back at him. Mine was on a throw. Hmm. Somebody asked a question. How do y'all know Bernie, the mascot, going to the hospital wasn't part of the publicity? Y'all are talking about it three days later because if, because of the hospital visit. Well, I can't say for sure because we aren't there, but I, I presume it was not part of the uh, promotion that he was going to take two punches. Hmm. Now, I could be wrong. Well, maybe he was going to take two punches. We just didn't expect that he was going to get knocked out with one of them. I don't know. Connor takes his... Uh, takes it to the extreme i would say like i said what has he done lately in the ring so this time he takes it out on the mascot yeah i don't know so uh, somebody in the app thinks that that was all part of it part of the well, plan maybe it was okay maybe so all right so yeah we got a lot to get to today obviously that's just uh as lee likes to do he likes to throw it out there We'll see what see, sticks. What see, this doesn't. is the thing about our, our friend. Those of you that are fortunate enough to be up this early on a Monday, you get our whole show in, in eight minutes. You don't have to listen to the rest of it. Lee gave you everything. How about that? Uh, so we are going to talk to Rod, Roger Hoover at 630. Ross Jackson will talk a little NFL today at 7. Bernie Carbo will be along at 730. We'll have some Chick-fil-A for you as well. 
Uh, the Millite Golf Report in hour number three. Bobby Pruitt, Theodore uh, linebacker, has made a commitment. We're going to see if we can catch up with him at 8.30. Yeah, Mark, uh, yesterday when I saw this, like we've been talking so much about Sarah Land players. Well, this, this was uh, a Theodore linebacker of note, had a lot of offers, including Alabama and Auburn. But it, it, it dawned on me when I called up, I wanted to see if there was a relationship to Edric Pruitt, who played in the NFL and played in a Super Bowl. It's his son, so I thought maybe kind of a neat idea would get them both on. All right, so here comes your scoreboard, your traffic, and your weather. We are off and running on this Monday edition. Stay with us. It's the opening kickoff. Uh, this is Jim Brando of Fox Sports telling everyone along the Gulf Coast in Mobile, listen to the opening kickoff with Mark and Lee on 105.5 WNSP. Twenty-two here on a well, you guess it Monday. It's the opening kickoff. Mark and Lee right here on the Sports Station WNSP. Have we ever seen? Well, maybe John can answer this. Have we ever seen somebody coming out on the uh, last hole and getting tackled by security? Because usually everybody's leaving then, right? I mean, it's over with. And that guy Adam Hadwin, who yeah. I believe is isn't he a golfer too? I think he is. Uh, anyway, he's a really good friends with Nick Taylor, and he's got a bottle of champagne. Right, and he's coming out to the green to celebrate. He gets tackled by the security guard. Yes, it will be a memorable moment for both him and the security guard. Here's the question: though. Does the security guard? Do you fire the security guard? Because Hadwin did what you weren't supposed to do. Yet, do we give him a pass because he's a golfer himself and a close friend uh, to obviously the winner? Do you to Taylor? Do you fire? Do you fire the security guard? Okay, why? Okay, I would say no without knowing all the details, but also there were two others. Mike Weir was one of them. Is it just that he didn't know who Hadwin was, but he knew who the other guys were and he allowed them right, to come but on? I, but here's the question, though. Do you, if it were any average, if it were one of us who just happened to be able to catch a tournament and we did that, he would have tackled us. Dude probably would have gotten a raise and gotten promoted for being, you know, heads up and. And making sure no one got hurt, but just because I don't, the guy that did it was a golfer himself, does that shift the blame back to the security? Well, you say it fire shouldn't. him. No, I, I, I'm with you on that, but it, we can say fire. It's I, I'm assuming this was just one of those one one weekend type deals. I mean, it's not like he's a full timer out there he's probably got another job i would think it's not like well this is my livelihood and let's think about some of the well bizarre incidences didn't we have one just recently in baseball where the guy came out and tried to propose to his girlfriend and got whacked around yeah that was awesome by the way that was pretty good i mean uh, <laughs> he, he's out there in center field on his knees <laughs> and and the funny thing was his lady friend was off at the concession yeah. stand well and in that but you see in that one we talked about this at the – see, I thought the security guard overreacted. You tackle so you can contain him. Guy was on his knee. He wasn't going anywhere. You could have easily walked up to him, run up to him, and 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 
taking him into custody without actually like bulldozing guy. We hear a lot of times about these security guards who are hired on a one-time deal, and and some of them are like former high school football players, so they really get the uh, testosterone going. But I want to. I'm curious about this Canadian one because. Can't you just go up to the guy, tap him on the shoulder, and say, you know, you're not supposed to do this, rather than hitting him? And then what happened to the champagne? Hmm. So I, I'm not, I say firing him. I don't know if that does any good anyway, because I'm, I'm guessing this was just a one-time gig, right? And maybe he even volunteered to do it just so he could be part of the, uh, the golf. Uh, tournament. I mean, I don't know all details. I don't like. I said you don't have a security guard at a golf tournament at a golf course for the whole year. All right. So, where? How, how do you? What do y'all make of this? Should first of all, should security guy have tackled Adam Hadwin? And who's to blame on? I think security is going to get blamed for this. But if it were any other guy, if it was just an average Joe. They would have blamed the fan. That's unfair to the security guard to expect him to know what who all these guys look like. Now, with that said, again, like we talked about in the first segment, you 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 got if you're the security guy, you got to pause. Like, where's dude getting a bottle of champagne from on, on on the golf course, right? So you got to wonder who is this guy. He can't be just some average Joe. Run around like he somehow had a bottle of champagne in his backpack or in a cooler. It's just so. And, you, and to your point, there are a couple other guys. I don't know. I think I might have waited to see there how were three of them. I might have waited to see how um, uh, Nick Taylor reacted to the champagne or the guy running up to him with I think the he champagne. He was excited. No, he was right. Were then sweaty. I probably would have just let him go. Friend. Yeah, this is one of his best friends. No, this he was happy about it. Then again, here's a security guy that's waited his uh, his whole the whole weekend to lay the wood I on mean, somebody. I mean, okay, th- the circumstances. No Canadian has won the Canada Canadian Open in 69 years. So Nick Taylor rolls in what a 72 foot putt to win it, which was All quite right. pretty impressive. So he's ecstatic. His friends Hadwin, Mike Weir, and there was another Canadian golfer there. So they come out to the green. Oh, I don't know if they were running, charging, or whatever. I mean, he's in his glory. I mean, this is like a huge, huge moment up there. So obviously, he's happy to see these guys. Right. Okay. So I don't know. I think security's first instinct was correct to go after these guys. Because you just don't know, right? So, like, when Hank was ro- walk, running the bases or trotting around the bases after the historic home run, those two guys came up. To, in today's day and age, these dudes would have been laid out before they even got to uh, uh, 10 feet from the from the stands, right? Okay, so there's other things to consider. The tournament's over with, all right? Tournament's over with. Did they have name tags, okay? No. They had no name tags? Golfers aren't wearing name tags. Not golfers. I'm talking about these golfers who weren't competing coming out to greet their friend yeah i'm saying but again it's not like during the course of competition like when that guy in the dodger game proposed i mean the game was still going on i it's a fine line i i haven't even seen it have you did you watch it did they show it on youtube because i'm curious if this guy went over the line the security guard and what kind of a tackle was it? Around the waist? Did he get him around the, the head? Was it a headlock? Yeah, it looked... No, it wasn't a headlock. He went low, I think. And what happened to the bottle? Did it uh, break? I guess it just... I don't know. The video's not that clear. All right, we come back. Uh, Roger Hoover's going to join us. Talk a little Alabama baseball. We'll talk to Ross Jackson on some uh, NFL at 7. Stay with us. Rolling along here on a busy Monday. It's the opening kickoff. 
right, 6.32, welcome back in. The opening kickoff continues. Hit us up in the app at WNSP.com. Where do you stand on security and the Canadian Open? Someone in the app said you can't pause for a second when working security or law enforcement. Um, he did wrap him up around the uh, around the waist. It was a good form tackle. Could be a potentially a former high school or college football star with that technique. Uh, there were others that tried to slow him down. He went high first to block the champagne only to go low to wrap up the guy. Good form. Good form. It but should be noted that, as you already pointed out, he wasn't the only one on the green. There were a whole bunch of people coming out to celebrate. It's just that he had the champagne, and he started spraying it. Maybe the security guard wanted a little taste, huh? Uh, it's uh, it's possible. It's Unlikely, but uh, possible. So uh, we'll get back to that. Also, at some point, we will talk about the fact that the dude did hit a 72-foot putt, which was most impressive. But let's turn our attention to the NCAA Super Regionals. Roger Hoover was with the Alabama Broadcasting Network. They were down at Wake Forest for the two games. Raj, thanks for joining us. I know you're getting ready to fly back to uh, Tuscaloosa, and I appreciate you taking the time. Good morning. Yeah, good morning to you guys. Uh, it's tough that the season's come to a close and really the athletic year for Alabama with that, but uh, what a ride it was, uh, especially with this baseball team. Thanks for having me on. You have broadcast a lot of baseball games professionally, AA, maybe even you know beyond that. Have you ever seen it, been at game, broadcast a game where a team hit nine home runs? Yes, I'm sure I have. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's not too uncommon. Uh, but yes, uh, we certainly saw uh, Wake Forest show its power. We certainly saw Alabama show its power. And really, that ballpark is a really small ballpark. Uh, built in 1956, that's the reason they're kind of grandfathered in with some small dimensions, like only being 310 down the left field line, 300 to right field. You would never see a ballpark uh, built these days that are, have its dimensions uh, that small, especially down the right field line, only being 300 feet. So uh, uh, that game can happen at uh, Couch Ballpark, and uh, Wake Forest certainly made the ballpark look even smaller. You know, in a preview of this series, uh, I kind of got the taste that Wake Forest had these really good pitchers, and that's what got them to 50 wins. Didn't hear much about their power, but I certainly found out about it over the weekend. A guy hitting like 30 home runs, and uh, that, that Wilkes, uh, Wilkin hit uh, like three yesterday. Um let me ask you this. Uh, was the wind blowing out yesterday to make it even more difficult for the ball to stay in the park? Yeah, the wind was blowing out pretty much uh, both games of the series. Uh, and, you know, we saw a lot of home runs even uh, in the Saturday ball game. Uh, that was the main place to score, it seemed like, uh, in this series. But, yeah, the wind definitely blowing out played a factor, again, with the small dimensions. Uh, that was uh, a little bit to be expected. Again, some of the home runs we'd see just didn't think the score would get as lopsided as it did. But, uh, yeah, uh, Nick Kurtz, Brock Wilkin, middle of the order, you know, coming into the Super Regional, they had combined to hit 50 home runs uh, between them, and then uh, with what Wilkin was able to do yesterday with three home performance, he becomes the uh, career record holder for ACC home runs, and there have been some great ball players that have gone through the ACC, especially when you look at uh, some of the names that have played at Florida State, Miami. Uh, it's pretty incredible what uh, Brock Wilkins has been able to do for Wake Forest, and he's not done yet. I think <laughs> the Demon Deacons will even make uh, Charles Schwab Omaha Field uh, look really small coming up this week in the College World Series. What was the atmosphere like there? 
Really incredible. Uh, you know, it's a very, again, it's a very small ballpark, uh, especially compared to where we play in the SEC. Uh, it would be the smallest ballpark. Uh, and so with that, all the fans are kind of right on top of the action. And Wake Forest has a very um, passionate fan base and one that has not had a lot to root about uh, outside of some football success uh, over the last few years. So uh, the fact that they're able to cheer on their team making it to Omaha for the first time since 1955 when they won the national championship is pretty incredible. Uh, you know, they, they had a lot of emotion going for them. Uh, they really fed off that. You know, they had a tremendous celebration once they uh, recorded the final out with not only the dog pile, of course, on home plate like you uh, or on pitchers down like you like to see uh, when the team clinches the berth to Omaha. But then, you know, the players came into the stands, celebrated a bit with the fans, and then they went back on the field and they ran out uh, to right center field uh, to the wall that had their two appearances uh, in the College World Series listed there in 1949 when they were the national runner-up. Actually, that World Series was played in Wichita, Kansas. It was before the event moved to Omaha. And then in uh, 55, when they won it all, uh, beating of all teams Western Michigan uh, in the finals of the College World Series that year. So it's been a long time for Wake Forest and the Beaven Deacon fans. Uh, Along with being great hosts for Alabama, you know, they, they rightly uh, got to celebrate a great achievement, something they haven't done in a long, long time. Roger Hoover with the Alabama Radio Network. He was down there with Chris Stewart broadcasting. Rog, I was really anxious to watch Saturday's game all set to go. Uh, 11 o'clock, I'm trying to tune in, and I'm seeing this trailer. Game is delayed due to a medical emergency, and then we found out later on what happened. And, of course, all thoughts are running through my mind now that, you know, you're, you're wondering what, what kind of medical emergency. What, when, when did you find out what was going on to delay the game? Were you told well in advance or not until you got to the ballpark or just what? Well, we were at the ballpark before the event happened, and even ESPN has released a statement, uh, you know, saying their director for the show passed away. Uh, so we knew, and their broadcast compound was out beyond the right field wall. We started seeing ambulances arrive quickly, and um, you know, they basically had that whole area shut down. And you know, with that, there was uh, really no need for the teams to take batting practice or do anything to try and play the game on time. Uh, certainly, the medical personnel needed all the time. They they could have uninterrupted uh, to make sure they attended to uh, the young man that unfortunately passed away. He was only in his early 40s, uh, as I've heard. So uh, it was a scary situation, uh, definitely a tough scene. But, um, you know, again, credit to Wake Forest and moving quickly on a lot of things, uh, getting uh, the best medical care possible. And it was just very sad for everybody around, especially uh, for the TV broadcasters that, um, you know, they, they witnessed this incident and uh, they had to go right back on the air and this crew had to broadcast a game, two games back-to-back -back after such an emotional thing. So, uh, you know, again, credit to ESPN. They handled it as well as they could have what was a really heartbreaking and ultimately tragic situation. You have a long and distinguished career in broadcasting baseball. Saturday night, John Sterling, I'm sure you're aware of this story, was calling the Yankee Red Sox game, and he got hit in the head by a foul ball while calling the game, and he finished up the inning. Can you recall in your career either – catching a foul ball while broadcasting or getting hit by a foul ball in the broadcast booth? 
Well, it's one of my claims to fame uh, in Mobile uh, a few years ago, back in, uh, I believe, 2018. I was calling the July 4th game uh, between Jacksonville and Mobile at Hank Aaron Stadium, and a foul ball came into the booth and uh, destroyed my laptop uh, while I was on the air. <laughs> and I called it, and uh, the call of that went viral uh, the next day when we posted it on our uh, Jumbo Shrimp SoundCloud page. Uh, I believe the clip has gotten over a million views, something like that, uh, you know, and it was shown on uh, CBS uh, this morning. Fox and Friends, which means, I guess, at the time President Trump watched it, uh, you know, it was all over the place, any baseball media outlets. So, yeah, I uh, actually gained a little bit of notoriety thanks to a very similar incident, poor Sean. Uh, and it was tough to see the video of that clip uh, released yesterday, uh, you know, because we all love John Sterling. Uh, when I was doing Marlins spring training games, uh, I got to meet him when we played the Yankees. And uh, he's a class act, and he's been one of my favorite listens uh, in Major League Baseball for a long time. So uh, when I saw, when I heard that clip at first, I tweeted out that, you know, I'd been there, John. <laughs> because, again, the similar thing happened to me and in all places that happened to, in your home mobile. Raj, years ago, I was broadcasting South Alabama at Arkansas State. Their press box, as nice as it was, was glass, okay? And it's not like you could open up the window. It's just solid glass. So during the game, a foul ball came back on the opposite side where the Arkansas State broadcasting crew was and totally shattered the glass, pieces of glass all over the place. I mean, it was just like something I had never seen before. Um there's uh, obviously now intrigue with Alabama. Do they hire Jason Jackson? Can you make a case for him staying on as the head coach? Well, I think the players did a really good job of that uh, yesterday after the press conference. You know, they talked about the fact that he was uh, a great leader in a really difficult time. And even Jim Jarvis, I thought, was one of the funniest lines. The shortstop said, I kind of wish I'd have gotten to know him more <laughs> earlier in my career, even though uh, J.J. was, of course, the pitching coach. Uh, Jim didn't get to interact with him a ton, uh, and now he wishes he would have while uh, J.J. was the pitching coach. Uh, so and that was pretty funny to hear. Uh, but, no, he, he's done a great job. He, he's really done a calm, steady hand, and we always knew that about him, especially uh, when you're working with young pitchers making the transition to college baseball. It's really, really difficult, and you've got to have somebody calm and calm and steady that can really help you with that transition, and he's done so brilliantly for years, even going back to his time at Florida Atlantic as a pitching coach, and uh, I think he's really been just steady and calm for this group, and kind of let them be themselves, you know, uh, they've been able to wear those camo ball caps that, you know, I really haven't been a huge fan of, I kind of like the color crimson, but, uh, you know, the players have kind of rallied around it, and we all embraced it uh, with the great wins they were having, uh, wearing those camo caps, and, you know, the road trips were a lot of fun, uh, when we went to Texas A&M, we all got to wear uh, Hawaiian shirts for kind of a themed road trip and then they also uh, this trip wore all sports jerseys uh, on the flight so the hodgepodge of NBA MLB NFL jerseys uh, was really good to see so he, he's let the players be themselves because I think he realized probably on May 4th uh, when the transition happened that no matter what happens from here on out it's not about Jason Jackson it's not about any of the coaching staff uh, previous or present it's about these players making sure they finish their career on the right note and they did uh, you know they did something that an Alabama baseball team hasn't done in 13 years and uh, you can argue this is even more successful than that team that went to the Super Regional in 2010 you're probably 
looking at this being the best team uh, Alabama's had in nearly 20 years. So going back to 06, a team that also earned the right to host a regional and eventually uh, fell to a very good ACC school on North Carolina and a super regional. Uh, a lot of similarities between this team and that team. There are a lot of major leaguers on that team, and I think you could say the same thing about this group. So uh, Jason Jackson, uh, again, as the interim head coach, did a remarkable job, and uh, I trust Greg Byrne to take this program forward whichever direction he wants to go in. Let me ask you this. So you go back to football, NFL draft, Bryce Young, number one pick, basketball coming up in a couple of weeks, all kinds of talk that Brandon Miller may go as high as number two. Is there anybody in this Alabama baseball team who's projected to go early rounds? Uh, I would say Andrew Pinkney probably has the best opportunity. It may not be until the fifth or sixth round that we may hear his name called. Uh, certainly there are a couple of pitchers. If Grayson Hitt had not gotten hurt, I believe he probably would have been a first or second rounder uh, with the way he was pitching earlier in the season. But uh, his injury may limit what he can do. And I think next year Ben Hess will probably be a first rounder, no doubt. Uh, a right-handed pitcher that also uh, was injured midway uh, through conference play. So, uh, you know, those guys would be easy to point to. I think Andrew Pinkney will has definitely uh, improved his stock and what he's done throughout the season. I think Jim Jarvis too. I think Jim Jarvis was somebody that there was some pro prospect intrigue about him last year, but he still didn't have quite the hitting mechanics you would like to have as a professional hitter. He revamped his hitting style uh, this past year. He had a career high in home runs this year. I think he's certainly going to get a really good look, but the, the main one's going to be Andrew Pinkney uh, because he's a five-tool player. Uh, he does everything well for uh, any team he's a part of, and you know he's a remarkable story. He was a walk-on who could barely get on the field when he first arrived in Tuscaloosa to now being the SEC Co-Scholar Athlete of the Year. And you can only win that by having a really good playing pedigree as well. I believe he shared the honor with Dylan Cruz of LSU, so uh, that speaks volumes about the kind of player he is. So uh, look for Andrew Pinkney maybe early in the draft, and then I think all throughout the draft uh, we're going to see some players that get some pro ball opportunities, and they'll probably kind of will their way up through minor league organizations and hopefully to the big ones. Hey, Roger, thank you so much for getting up early with us, man. A hell of a ride this season. We look forward to doing it again soon. You got it. Thank you so much, guys, for having me on uh, all throughout the year. And uh, we're going to be talking football before we know it. But uh, thank you so much. Uh, roll back. It's Roger Hoover, ladies and gentlemen. All right, when we come back in open segment, we can get back into the security tackling uh, PGA golfers. Here's the other question for you. I saw this little debate going on on Twitter. Alabama football, returning Heisman Trophy winner, a quarterback, missed the playoff. Alabama basketball had their best season ever, only got to the Sweet 16. Alabama baseball, one of the best seasons in recent memory, couldn't get to Omaha. Softball looked like one of the World Series, right? They went 0-2. How do you spend that? Good year or bad year in Alabama athletics? I've seen it both ways on social media. How do you see it? Coming back, 694-1055. It's the opening kickoff. Hi, I'm Michael Pierce, NFL defensive tackle. When I'm in the city of Mobile, you can normally find me at WNSP 105.5. Uh, saying last but not least, I want to thank uh, football stars for being here. Giroud, Ibra, Mbappé. Tom Brady, I want to thank everybody for coming out. 
and supporting. I hope you guys enjoyed. I'm sorry no if I missed somebody, but uh, it's a great honor to have. Uh, little uh, little tennis action there. Novak Djokovic, 23 Grand Slam, still going strong at the age of 36. So I didn't I didn't know who the football. I, I assume he was talking about soccer players there, but I heard Tom Brady's name. Yeah, he's everywhere. How about that? All right, so you guys can jump in. We got a couple of issues we're dealing with today. Uh, six nine four. And, of course, the other question I have for you, Lee, uh, there's a couple different ways to spin this, all right? So let's take Alabama football, Alabama basketball, Alabama baseball, and Alabama softball. Successful year or not a successful year as a whole? All right, here's what I'm going to do, and it's not the proper way to handle this because you asked me, but I'm going to come right back at you. You're the Alabama alum. Right. I'm going to answer the question, but I want to hear your response first. You had a football team that was right up there in contention, lost only two games. You had a basketball team that for a while was number one in the nation and arguably one of the best players in the nation. Yep. The baseball team came out of nowhere. Yep. And overcame a gambling uh, scandal. The softball team, who knows, had Montana Montana Fouts not gotten hurt, what could have been. Basically, from an overview, total overview, I would say very successful. A lot of programs, a lot of college programs would like to be in the hunt. Now, granted, they didn't win a championship. So, for those who say either championship or not, disappointment. How do you feel about it? And then I want to come back on that. Well, I think as a whole, I think the answer is disappointment because that's just the expectation uh, set for for this athletic department. Now, I don't know if I would group the Alabama baseball team in with the other three because of all the issues that they dealt with during the course of that season. I think that's a feel-good story. I mean, you go and you get beat by the number one overall seed at their place. I, I'm willing to give you a little latitude on that. I, I, I think still you can argue that that was a successful year for Alabama baseball. I do think, though, when you look at football, basketball, and softball, though, I do think uh, whether you went to school there whether you are a fan of that school or not, I do believe that those three programs fell short and are deemed disappointing seasons. Okay, and this is the, this is the counter to that. There are very, very few programs, and I don't have them listed in front of me, where you could point to those four sports and say you were in the hunt. The fact is that you had a lot of memories. The fact is that you got to a, a higher level than, than you maybe should have. Um, and, and for that matter, the fact that you had something to cheer about most of the year. Granted, not it's tough to win a championship. And if you go strictly by that, 
If you go by the fact that we didn't win a championship, you could say, well, I'm disappointed. But how many programs out there, you could look at those four programs and say, we went as far as we did and gave our fans a, a lot of thrills uh, along the way. Despite the fact... Despite the fact this was a very polarizing year, without getting into all that happened with the basketball program, with the baseball program, and so forth. Yeah, so the flip side of that is, to your point, that all of those programs were relevant in every postseason, except football, which was number five and was the first one out. We can debate it throughout the course of our show today. Ross Jackson will kick off hour number two. That includes Bernie Carbo and a chance for you to win some Chick-fil-A. Stay with us. Hour number one already in the books. The busy Monday edition. Mark Lee, Triple G, all in the studios at WNSP. On the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. Indeed, here we are, 704. Hope you and yours had a good weekend. We're back at it. The opening kickoff, Mark Lee, Triple G, all in the studios of WNSP. Some of the headlines, Novak Djokovic, his uh, 23rd Grand Slam men's singles. That's a new record. Won the French Open for the third time. Alabama eliminated in the Super Regionals by Wake Forest 22-5 to yesterday as Wake Forest bashed nine home runs, which ties an NCAA record. Those were some of the uh, big stories. Martin Truex won in NASCAR. And Nick Taylor won the Canadian Open, the first Canadian to win the event in 69 years. And then Mark and I have been talking about the incident afterwards in which one of his best buddies came on the uh, green to celebrate with a bottle of champagne and got tackled by a security officer. That's a topic that you'll hear about later on during this show. But first things first, there's some NFL news going on, and we want NFL. We know who to call on. Ross Jackson from Crescent City Sports. Ross, welcome to the opening kickoff Monday morning. How are you today? Hey, guys. Good morning. Glad to be here with you, as always. Appreciate you having me on. Oh, we really appreciate getting your insight. Delvin Cook, Minnesota, great running back. What's going to happen to him now that they released him? Yeah, I think it's a really interesting deal. So the uh, Minnesota Vikings have gone down the road, uh, I'm going to say at least once, or maybe even a couple of times in trade talks before making this decision to release Dalvin Cook with the uh, the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins really, really like, you know, would like to have a guy like Dalvin Cook. They've made some additions over in that running back room. They drafted uh, the young running back out of Texas A&M in this year's draft. They've reinvested in some of those Shanahan tree guys that Mike McDaniels really likes, like, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, Jeff Wilson and others. But I, I really think that they would love to get their hands on a guy like Dalvin Cook. So I think that they will be, uh, you know, a, a team that's 
kind of looking to see if they can bring him in, but there's going to be some good courtship out there. There's going to be guys like, you know, teams like the Miami Dolphins, um, you know, Sean Payton and the Denver Broncos. Dalvin Cook is, you know, one of those guys that has a little bit of Alvin Kamara in him and that he can do a lot of different things uh, on the offensive side of the ball as a receiver as well as as a running back. So I would expect the um, I would expect the Denver Broncos to be in. And, you know, look, there's always going to be those surprise teams that are going to pop up every now and then as well and, uh, you know, see how that kind of drives the market. But Dalvin Cook should have a pretty healthy market out there at only, what, 28, 29 years old. I mean, he's still a young guy. Um, you know, at a position that takes a lot of hits, sure, but you really want that youth at that position, particularly with a guy with that skill level. I was going to ask you about Denver. Right now, on paper, which team do you like better to make the postseason? Sean Payton and the Denver Broncos or the New Orleans Saints? Uh, right now, I'll take the New Orleans Saints. Some of that is based on the roster. Other parts of that is based on the division. Thankfully for the New Orleans Saints, they don't have to go through the Los Angeles Chargers and the Kansas City Chiefs uh, to get there like the Denver Broncos and Sean Payton have to do. But even with Sean Payton and the Denver Broncos, you look at the roster they've constructed, and there's some good things to like there for sure. But the, their biggest question mark is going to be what does Russell Wilson look like because we saw Russell Wilson's floor last year, and it was not great. Um, and, uh, you know, you would dare say that the, the floor we've seen from Russell Wilson now is lower than the floor that we've seen from Derek Carr in his career, which is kind of a surprise, although the ceilings are massively different as well. Of course, it's one of those guys being a Super Bowl winning quarterback and the other one you know, not having a, a postseason appearance. And so, uh, you know, I, I think right now the way the Saints look, particularly with their roster and their division, I would give them the leg up at the moment. The other high-profile offensive player making the rounds, Hopkins, the wide receiver. What do you know about him as far as his next destination? Yeah, I believe he's visited so far with the, the Patriots as well as the Titans. Um, and so, you know, the, the Tennessee Titans, I know, we're going to do everything that they could to try to make that his, that visit was his last visit. But I highly doubt that that's going to end up being the case. Uh, you know, DeAndre Hopkins is going to be well sought after. Wide receivers like him are not guys that, you know, they, they don't grow on trees. Uh, these guys that are, you know, kind of these big ex-receiver big-bodied guys that can do a lot of different things. And so, um, you know, he's on that, that Nashville visit, and uh, it, it is an interesting one to sort of see exactly where he's going to land because there's a lot of teams that could absolutely use a guy like that and, and the help that he brings. I'm not sure what his next visit is at the moment, but I know that he's gone to New England and Nashville thus far. I would imagine that he'll probably take some visits to go and see some other uh, you know, NFC teams that are in need of wide receivers as well. So I, I don't think he's uh, close to being done with his uh, his tour just yet. Every year there's an NFL team that basically comes out of nowhere uh, based on free agent signings or the draft. Which NFL team do you think helped themselves the most in the last couple of months? Oh, that's a really good question. I, I think uh, I think I would probably start – with the New York Jets, I'm not the biggest Aaron Rodgers guy, but we have to be honest here. A, a jump from Zach Wilson and Joe Flacco to Aaron Rodgers is a humongous jump for that team. And so I think they've done some good things. I thought they did some good things in the draft as well. 
Uh, I think the Atlanta Falcons have helped themselves out quite a bit. Uh, that's another team that has been, you know, doing some really good work, and particularly over on the defensive side, they've spent a ton of money over on the defensive side of the football to you know, get everything ready for their new defensive coordinator. They already have a lot of talent over on the offensive side, but adding a guy like Bijan Robinson takes that a little bit over the top. That's a team that you know you add. Uh, two two or three more explosive plays per game. Explosive plays usually defined as 20 or uh, passing plays of 20 or more yards, rushing plays of 15 or more yards. If they add one or two or two or three of those plays per game based you know, beyond what they added last year, all of a sudden they're in a different stratosphere on offense. And over the defensive side, this is a team that has struggled to get pressure, get sacks, to you know, find ways to get after the quarterback. They've done some nice things to kind of bolster their pass rush with a guy in Ryan Nielsen as their new defensive coordinator who you know, reinvigorated pass rush in New Orleans when he showed up. 2017 forward when he showed up, uh, the Saints had at least 40 sacks per season. I don't think, if I remember correctly, the Falcons didn't even hit 30 sacks last year. And, uh, and they've only, uh, I think over the last two years, hit, I think it was 63 sacks combined. You compare that to the Philadelphia Eagles last year who did 70 all in one season. Uh, so I think that that's another team that has done themselves some favors over the course of this offseason as well. Okay, Ross, you've had a chance to survey Saints, OTAs, newcomers, things like that. Tell us something that can make Mark happy that he can look forward to a playoff team this year because he's got kind of a long look on his face today. He's not too sure about this. Yeah, I mean, look, everything right now is, you know, what we've seen at OTAs. We need to see it all actually play out on the field. But I'll tell you that this team is a lot more together. This team is a lot more uh, they've got better communication. They're they're doing better work right now that at this point this year than they were at this point last year. Remember this point last year they were trying to build that offense around Jameis Winston and get it ready, but they didn't have a ton of presence over at OTAs. This year they're you know building and trying to get this offense ready for Derek Carr, and Derek Carr's doing some great work. He's a solid leader. He's got everybody you know wanting to do more, ready to do more. Everyone's holding themselves accountable, um, you know. And this is a team that had. New nearly 90% attendance all three, you know, at least days that we were present, right, out of the nine days total of OTAs. But out of the three days that we were present over the course of those three weeks, they had nearly 90% attendance there. So this is a team that's buying in, and I think that that's a good thing, for, especially for a team that you know, has a clear path to the playoffs in a very, very weak division, or at least what we're expecting here in June to be a very, very weak division. So uh, I think, you know, the the one thing that you can say in terms of will this team be better than they were last year, so far at this point, which is still early, but so far at this point, they're already better right now than they were at this time last year. From your lips to God's ears, Ross. <laughs> appreciate it, buddy. Hey, look, I mean, everybody's hoping for it. The city's invigorated. You know, they're ready for, you know, uh, a better team than what they saw last year. This is a team and an organization that sees 7 and 10 as a big failure. Like, it's not a situation where they kind of looked at this and went, okay, well, we'll retool a little bit and get it fixed up. No, they changed the quarterback. They revamped the entire coaching staff. Like, the New Orleans Saints this offseason at 7 and 10 did things that 3 and, you know, that – you know, three and 14 teams do, you know, and, and I think that that is a, a testament to this team and, and, and the organization and how much they will not kind of accept, sit back and accept that mediocrity. Now, the biggest thing is, did they do enough? Uh, we'll have to find out once they all hit the field, but so far, so good. Hey, as always, uh, appreciate the time. Uh, things are getting ramped up for sure. How can people continue to follow your coverage of all things Saints and the NFL? 
Yeah, absolutely. You can find me over on the Locked On NFL and Locked On Saints podcast. Just search that wherever you get podcasts and on YouTube as well. You can find all the written work over at Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation site covering the New Orleans Saints, Saints News Network. Uh, that you can find over at saints.media or si.com slash NFL slash Saints. Saints.media is a lot easier. And in the easiest place, of course, to follow it all is just uh, following along on Twitter uh, at Ross Jackson, NOLA, NOLA. Have a great week, man. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you. Take care. Stay safe. Talk to you soon. That's uh, Ross Jackson, ladies and gentlemen. We'll talk to Bernie Carbo a little bit later in this hour, and we'll have some Chick-fil-A in hour number two. Hour number three includes John Ricchetti, the Millite Golf Report, as well as Theodore linebacker Bobby Pruitt, and his father said to join us, Edric Pruitt. Uh, that'll be at 830. Uh, we'll let you scoreboard traffic and weather. We posed a question to you. If you take football, Alabama football, Alabama basketball, baseball, and softball, success, a successful run for all four combined or not? And we'll explain the or not part when we come back. Get you guys involved at 694-1055 as well. It's the opening kickoff just getting started right here on the sports station, WNSP. Hey, everybody, this is Gabe Gross, and you're listening to WNSP 105.5. Libby just convinced Baby Gronk to commit to LSU. Baby Gronk is the number one college football prospect in the country. He averages 300 yards and five touchdowns a game. On his visit to LSU, Livy rizzed him up. Livy even hugged Baby Gronk. He might be the new Riz King. Do you think Baby Gronk will lead LSU to a national championship? Did you get all that, Lee? I got it. I got it. Yeah. Would you, uh, what would you do if, Liv- if Livy uh, rizzed you up? Probably ignore it. You think? Yeah. I don't know. Have you have you guys heard the story about Baby Gronk that's been going around? Um Baby Gronk. Do you know Baby Gronk's real name, by the way? No. Madden San Miguel. Okay. How about that? All right, but share everybody share with everybody who Baby Gronk is. So Baby Gronk is this famous fifth grade football player. But there's been some controversy going around about Baby Gronk lately. Not because he might potentially be the Riz King, (laughs) but because his father has made an account and has DM'd just about every sports media influencer company and is trying to market his son. And there's just a lot of controversy going around that uh, this father is basically trying to cash in on his fifth grade kid yeah he wouldn't be the not allowing him to be a child yeah but so our girl livy over there at lsu olivia dunn by the way all her friends call her livy uh seem to uh she she seems to put the recruiting moves on baby gronk there yeah she hugged him (laughs) how about that what do you think, Lee? Did she do a double flip before she hugged him? Um, that wasn't in the video. Lee, do you know what Riz means? No. So if you have a Riz moment, I don't know. If it's, it's W Riz or L Riz. 
I would think Baby Gronk would want to hug her. She's become quite the uh, media sensation. What, isn't she on Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue? Yes. And all these. She's done a lot with little. I mean, she she was on the gymnastics team, but she wasn't even like one of their key performers, yet she's gone a long, long way with her uh, accounts. Yeah, I don't think she's done a lot with a little. I think she's done plenty with a lot. Well, she's not a standout. She's not like... Somebody that's going to go out there and blow you away with victories or anything. At least when I watched her, she 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 in the LSU Auburn match, she wasn't even uh, involved in it. Yeah, I mean I know she's you know got followers and that, and she's done a lot through uh, social media. But as far as an athletic performer, and I'm not trying to downgrade her because I don't know much about her, but I don't think she's a key member of the team. But she's probably the most popular member of the team. Well, that's why they're saying Baby Gronk might be the new Riz King because he got a hug uh, from Livy Dunn. The definition of Riz per Urban Dictionary. <laughs> it's another word for spitting game and how good you are at pulling and sustaining women. Yes. He's got, he's got game. It's a, it's a Riz moment. So if, if you have game with the ladies... Then you have Riz. If it's a, if, <laughs> some some will get more specific and say it's a W Riz or an L Riz, right? Uh, so if 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 you crash and burn, for example, that's an L Riz moment. What is like she? Like? Is she a senior at LSU or junior, and and is getting involved with a fifth grader? Yeah. Well, that's why he's the Riz it, King. Involved with his recruitment, yes. His recruitment is a fifth grader. Yes, but it's Baby Gronk. Yeah, he he averages three hundred yards and five touchdowns a game. For As who? a fifth grader, for who? In a fifth grade, that's a great question. For his for who? Park football team, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so they couldn't come up with a, a different type, you know, to compare him to the Gronk uh, Gronkowski. They couldn't come up with a better nickname, or I don't know, Baby Gronk kind of stick. Yeah, but you? that's that that's been used before. I mean, something new. Who is? What's his name again? Baby Gronk? No, what's his full name? Madden San Miguel. All right, so work on that. Come up with something that identify him. Get him away from the Gronkowski. Well, Madden ain't exactly unique. See, when I first heard the story, I thought it was like Gronkowski's son. So, yeah, that's what I would have thought. But it's not. So it's like they're kind of cashing in on the Gronkowski name without ah, any merit. So maybe the Gronkowski family might take this to court. Like, stay away from... Uh, Identifying with my name, potentially. Sure. Who is that? But there's the controversy. I've heard that. I've heard that used before on others, though. Uh, Baby Gronk. I just don't remember with who. Who was that quarterback back in the day? I think he was from California. He was like touted as being like he's going to be the next great quarterback, and then he played for like three years, and then like became homeless and got addicted to drugs. They did a thirty for thirty on him. Brian Leaf. No, no, no. He wasn't really. from California, was he? It was he? like his dad like forced him as a kid to be a quarterback and oh, work out. Oh, I know. Maranovich? Yeah, that might be it. Was that the one that uh, was basically had this diet, no, no sweets, yeah, yeah, nothing yeah. like that, no sodas, things like that? Yeah. Todd Maranovich? That's Todd what, Maranovich. That's what Baby Gronk, uh, that's what they got Baby Gronk on, but he's already famous as a fifth grader. So, Maranovich, you said was homeless after a while? If we're talking about the same guy, yeah, he was like addicted to drugs and homeless. Cause yeah, it, his career went downhill fast. You build up your whole <laughs> yeah, life. That. You build no, up your yeah. whole life that you're going to be this great quarterback, and then you fall out the league in two or three years. 
and you don't even know what to do with yourself. It was one of those where the dad was very instrumental and basically tried to control the kid's life, and he had no life. It was strictly football, strictly uh, a diet like yours, Nick. He's, yeah, his dad studied Eastern Block training. Yeah. Well, hopefully baby Gronk uh, can make things work. Has he been offered yet? Yeah, I think he got offered to LSU. <laughs> hmm. Uh, during his mom's pregnancy, she used no salt, sugar, alcohol, or tobacco. And Todd was fed only fresh vegetables, fruits, and raw milk. Raw milk opposed to... Ah, it's um, just what it almond says. Almond milk. How about almond milk, Vic? I bet baby Gronk drinks almond milk. Yep. Uh, Bernie Carbo's next. I'm, I'm googling raw milk. Now the three-two swung on a pop foul back here. Ow. It really hit me. I didn't know it was coming back that far. So once again, it'll be a 3-2. <laughs> so the best part of that is not the initial Al, but it's like the second and third Al's. Can, can you play that again for us? To, we need to hear the Al. 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 Hit that again. And now the 3-2 swung on. A pop foul back here. Ow. <laughs> it really hit me. I didn't know. So that was Sterling calling the Yankees game. What happened was there was a foul ball. It ricocheted off the table that he was working at and hit him in the forehead. And so I think that first Al was probably like a reaction more than. And then that second was, I don't, I don't even know what you described the second and third one as. I mean, at some point he must have actually the pain of the ball hitting him in the head. I mean, he's lucky he wasn't more seriously hurt. Oh, absolutely. But dude turned around and didn't miss a beat on with the with the game. So kudos to him. Uh, the guy who hit it, the foul ball was Justin Turner, and I think he he autographed the baseball for John Sterling. I don't know how that he autographed happened. his head. So uh, look, Sterling's no young guy. He's in his 80s. I give him a lot of credit to rebound from something like that. Uh, and as you just heard, that was Saturday night's call. Uh, the Red Sox Yankees. We got Bernie Carbo ready to talk some baseball with us. Uh, Bernie just finished up the uh, fantasy camp here at Spring Hill College. Bernie, good morning. How are you today? Hey, good morning, Leah Mark. That was kind of funny, huh? Ow, ow, ow. <laughs> you ever get uh, hit? You ever get hit by a foul ball during your years with the any of the five teams you were with? Uh, no, never did. You know, you got to pay attention, especially when you're at the ballpark. You know, I did, uh, when I first came up to the big leagues, I had a hard time holding on to the bat, and I threw the bat into the stands a few times, and uh, that was kind of scary. I know one time I did it in the Chicago Cubs, and I had to go to court, and I think they settled out of court. But, uh, yeah, that was the announcer for uh, the Yankees, and that was kind of funny. But uh, Red Sox ended up winning two out of three. Bernie, let me ask you something. I, I did not... So you had to go to court because a, a bat flew out of your hands into the stands? I didn't think that was that entitled somebody to go to court because, you know, when you, you look at the tickets you get, you're at your own risk. 
you know, whether you get hit by a baseball or a flying bat. I, yeah. I'm really surprised to hear that. What happened? I um, it was in Chicago, and uh, a lady was hit by the bat, and she she went against Cincinnati at that time in the Chicago Cubs. I went to court. I sat in the judge's room, and he's in uh, with everybody, and they said, "Look, we're not going to take this to court. Let's just get done with this." And you know, I imagine they settled out of court or whatever, you know, whatever. But uh, yeah, that was uh, that was just kind of a strange thing because. Um, I went into Chicago. I sat with the judge and everything. It was kind of exciting for me as a young man, but uh, I'm glad I didn't get sued uh, for sure. But uh, I imagine things happen, um, you know, getting hit with a ball or whatever. You know, it's, uh, you got to be awake. You got to be alert. That's for sure. So let me ask you something. I was watching some of the Red Sox-Yankee game, and once again, this, this series got plastered all over ESPN, the late game last night. Fox had it on Saturday. I was watching it on on uh, Friday. Do you Tampa's running away with it. Orioles are good. Is the Yankee-Red Sox series, by the way, they'll play again next weekend, is it really that relevant like, relevant, like it used to be? I don't think so. I really don't think so. You know, the Red Sox have been struggling, and the Yankees, uh, you know, the one thing I see a lot of uh, with the Yankees and the Red Sox, yeah, there's not that rival we had. We had one of the biggest brawls uh, with Greg Nettles and Bill Lee and uh, Mickey Rivers and everyone in the Yankees, and the fans were going crazy. You know, the fans, the fans are still, uh, you know, they're Yankee fans, and they don't like Red Sox. So Red Sox don't like the Yankees. Whenever you're in the area and you're signing autographs, the Yankees are not the Yankee fans are not going to take autograph and the same with the Red Sox and the Yankees. So you're still there, Bernie. I I think one of the reasons why I'm not compelled to watch it is the lack of superstars. Aaron Judge is out. Red Sox don't have bets anymore. Bogart. You, you, you look at their averages. They, they, they got real no big-time players. You know, they got good players, but not the superstars they once had back in the day. You know, the sad thing about it, uh, Mark and Lee, you see a lot of guys hitting less than 200, hitting a few home runs, making $10 million. Uh, the minimum salary is almost a million. I've never seen so many bad averages and strikeouts and players who – I think back in my day, if you were hitting at 190, you'd be back down to AAA, maybe 240, 235 even. But you look at the averages in the big leagues today, I imagine for me, uh, with these pitchers going 97 to 100 miles an hour, I'd be scared to death. Did you see yesterday, I, I mentioned this because I can just imagine the analytical people went nuts. The Stanford pitcher went the distance against Texas and threw 156 pitches. Oh, my goodness. That's just so ridiculous. You know, I talk to Dr. Andrews uh, quite often. Uh, he's a really super guy. He writes stories about young kids from the age of nine and ten. Who are getting John Rotor Cubs. Uh, they have a growth, growth in their growth plate in their elbows and putting screws in because if you can throw hard and you, you're the only one who can throw strikes, you're going to pitch every weekend and you're going to pitch every game. The 150-some pitches is not what you should be doing. 
Uh, you know, these little kids, 45 to 55 pitches a weekend. He should have been out of there at, at 75 and 80 pitches. Uh, I know when uh, Louis Tian pitched the fifth game of the World Series, he was up to 145 pitches. But Louis would never come out of the game back in those days. But uh, pitch count is very important, especially for young kids. Okay, so I will ask you this then. And in and, and your day, guys like Marischal, Spawn, they'd throw 150, 160. I mean, it wasn't uncommon. So, And they weren't going on the injured list all the time. Today, the injured list is just filled with pitchers. Uh, you, you, they, they're not allowed to throw that many pitches, yet they're all getting hurt. They're getting Tommy John surgery. I think we've had, what, the, the DeGrom's the latest to go out this year. So how do you explain that, the fact that the pitch counts are so important, yet we get more injuries than we had years ago? Well, I think it starts when they're young. You know, this is something that happens. You know, you drive a car, it's a brand-new car. Once you put 100,000, 200,000, 300,000, you got to get a brand-new car. I think these injuries are from when they were younger because they had such good arms. They were overused when they were younger. By the time they get to high school and to college and get to the pros, you know, their arms are, their arms are pretty wasted. I mean, I think if I had a young kid that had a great arm, I wouldn't let him pitch at all. And I wouldn't, wouldn't let him pitch until he was a senior in high school or even in college where his arm would be fresh. But these guys have been throwing all their life since they've been in Little League, travel baseball. You know, for me, I think that travel baseball, I'd rather see a father take a kid out and hit him a bunch of ground balls, soft toss, build a father and son relationship, teach him the game of baseball, wait till these kids get to be 10, 11, 12 years old, Throw a ball out in the field and let him play and watch the guys. One coach asked me the other day, how do I build camaraderie with my kids? I said, sit in the dugout, throw a ball out there and let them pick up a team and let them play and keep score and let them umpire and find out how much fun they have. Former Major Leaguer Bernie Carbo, he was back in Mobile. Or he used to live here, and now he's up in the Carolinas. He had a baseball camp. You going to come back next year? Yes, uh, we had that Spring Hill College. We had a great time. Uh, most of the guys stayed in the dorms. We had guys from all over, and we really enjoyed it. We had uh, Judge Jay York had a picture of himself when he was playing there, and all the kids were on the, on the, on the, on the wall with their legs hanging down, and he was on the on-deck circle. They had a dog in, a, dog in the dugout, and... Uh, it was a fantastic time. We had great weather. We had great friends. And so, yes, we're going to come back and hopefully uh, next year at Spring Hill College again. The guys had a great time. We enjoyed it. They were from Florida, Chicago, Cleveland, Ohio, and uh, Mississippi, all over. And uh, we had 25 guys. We really had a great time. And uh, thank you, Jay uh, York, uh, which did a great job. We had a bunch of guys having Playing baseball, the greatest game ever played, and they were really enjoying themselves. Bernie, I can't thank you enough. Enjoyed it. Uh, have a safe trip back to the Carolinas. Uh, we'll check in soon down the road, all right? Yeah, thank you, Lee and Mark. We love you guys. We love Mobile, man. We missed it. So we'll see you next year, buddy. Everybody, that is Bernie Carbo. Appreciate him coming aboard. We're going to do our Millite Golf Report coming up at 8 o'clock. John Ricchetti's going to join us. Uh, so a couple things we've been talking about. We've been talking about uh, Baby Gronk and his Riz moments, obviously. Uh, we also talked about 
Adam Hadwin being tackled by security during a celebration of uh, Nick Taylor's 72-foot punt, which we haven't, we haven't even talked about the punt, which was just phenomenal uh, because of what transpired after the fact. So Adam Hadwin, who's a Canadian golfer, by the way, and a good friend of Nick Taylor, he and two other guys uh, were celebrating. Spraying champagne, went out to go meet uh, Taylor after the shot and was then tackled by security. I mean, it was actually pretty good form tackle by security. Uh, so, obviously, if this were some just random average Joe behind the ropes, this wouldn't be as big a story. Uh, and, and the security would probably be uh, applauded. But I don't think your average Joe has in his possession... A bottle of champagne. I thought either. the guy was overzealous, to be honest with you. Uh, when you look at, see, I hadn't seen it until we talked about it. You had a number of people on the green. It wasn't just like one or two. It wasn't just the caddy. Well, he couldn't tackle everybody. Well, there's no reason for him to tackle anybody. The tournament's over. The guy wins. His friends are coming out there. There were many out there. And why did he go after this guy? Why? Because he had a bottle of champagne. He was spraying it. Yeah. I mean, that thing could have hurt somebody. Maybe get in your eye at will. I mean, he could have hit the him bubbly. in the head off a of ricochet. He wouldn't be the first. Hey, can we hit? Uh, can we listen to the uh, the clip again of uh, Sterling getting hit in the Ooh, head? Good for you. That was good stuff. <laughs> Not to him. Now the three-two swung on a pop foul back here. Ow! 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 It really <laughs> hit me. I didn't know All it was right. coming back that so, far. So who got the worst of it, Sterling or the mascot on the two punches from Conor McGregor? Sterling I'm, didn't have to go to the hospital. No, I'm, I'm going to say the mascot. If, But I want to know what that, that headgear is made of that it could absorb a hit. You know what would have been really neat? And it still put that dude in the hospital? What if, I'm, I'm, I'm beginning to think one of our listeners was if, right earlier, which was that was all staged. What if McGregor, in taking the punch, had fractured his hand or broken a finger or something like that? On, on, on that, head? well, on the head, you don't. We don't know what it's like. Nah. It's apparently not made of anything of substance since it put the guy in the hospital. I'm beginning to think that was staged. I'm thinking the guy wasn't really hurt. Then why would you want to go to the hospital? It was all he, he didn't. I think it was just it was. They just threw it out there that he went to he the hospital. He didn't want to leave the game. That thing, come on. That it was the third quarter. Now he didn't want he to did, leave. They did drag him off by his feet. No, but that first hit, the the first sound, and that Sterling was the ball hitting the table and then ricocheted up but the owl that that's great we need to can we isolate just the owls we need to that needs to be part of our our, our sound bites moving forward our that's just that's quality entertainment right there there it's kind of like when uh Forrest got bit you know in Vietnam remember something bit me no nothing no I remember yep. nothing from Nick I thought it was funny. Oh, you're talking about Sterling? Oh, for sure. Yeah, it was. I, I when I heard it and I, I saw it and listened to it, you, you just this just doesn't happen every day in a major league game because oh, you hear announcers say, "Yeah, I must have had that foul ball," or some used to have the net out there to catch him. I have never See, heard of a baseball announcer getting I think hit the in the first head. Al was during more a game. Of, like I, he got startled. I think that was more of a reaction. Sure. The second one was kind of like. Ow, I just got hit. And then the third one was kind of like, oh, it's starting to hurt now, I think. Yeah, they start to swell up. 
good stuff. I mean, he's not a young guy anymore. Of I mean, all the Sterling cuts, that might be my favorite of all time. Oh, well, he's had a beaut, and he he could basically turn out the best of. Mm, that was that was uh, that was quality entertainment right there. We could we could just play that on a loop. In fact, that ought to be the next scoreboard. Just play it for what do you get? Ninety seconds? I guess it's ninety seconds. Just do just do ninety seconds of Sterling. Ow, ow, ow. All right, coming up next, uh, we'll do some Chick-fil-A for you. Uh, we'll get back to this Alabama topic, too. Alabama football, based on what you know, Alabama football, basketball, baseball, and softball. Now that those seasons have concluded as a whole, was it a successful run for those programs combined or a disappointment? So here's another way of looking at it. Let's, let's take Georgia. Okay, Georgia wins the national title. I think I already know the answer. Most of our rappers would rather have a title in football, and I could care less what happens. You look at Georgia, irrelevant in basketball, irrelevant in softball. Baseball, they were so irrelevant, they fired their coach. So would you prefer to go from, well, September through May and have a lot to talk about with each sport, or would you trade all that? for a football championship like Georgia had. I'm going to repeat what you said. I think you know the answer I to that. I think I know the answer to that. I, I think that might be the easiest question we ask all week. I tried to. It's a good way to start. All, all right. right. I uh, would say, before we go to break. I'm sorry, please. I would say that Alabama sports seasons this year would could be compared to taking the really hot girl to prom but when you get to the dance, she immediately ditches you and goes hang and hangs out with her friends. Yeah. You get to tell people that you went, yep. but when you really get to the details, it's kind of depressing about yeah. what happened at the end. Do you get the picture with her at prom? Do you get yeah, the prom yeah. picture? Yeah, exactly. Everything right. before, but then when you're actually there, yeah. it was all just Just hanging nothing. with the guys, so talking about what could have been. Yep. So you drive home alone, is that what you're saying? And That's right. she goes home with somebody else? That's right. That happened to you? Oh, no, that didn't happen to me, but... No, he's like Baby Gronk. He's got Riz. <laughs> That's right. He's got Riz. I'm I'm a Riz king in my own right. In your own mind. Confidence, and, and man. And others. Well, he guarantees really? it. You wanna? Do you wanna? I mean, I tried to go to break with a tease like two minutes ago, but since we're just gonna keep going, do do you have some examples of some some Riz moments? Um. Hmm. Let's see. All right, let's take a break then. <laughs> yeah, that was a that some great radio, right? Yeah, there. that yeah. was that was quality great entertainment. Great ow, <laughs> ow! I'd rather hear the ow. Uh, all right, Chick Fil A next. Get you some John Ricchetti at eight. Uh, Bobby Pruitt and Edric Pruitt gonna join us at eight thirty. Uh, so stay with us. Plenty left here on a Monday edition. It's the opening kickoff. This is Chris Samuels. You're listening to WNSD 105.5. Roll Tide, and God bless. Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I could eat there seven times a day. Where the people laugh and children play. Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A. All right, 7.53, here we go. Wake Forest, 22 runs against Alabama in a Super Regional yesterday in eliminating the Tide, 22-5. to However, that is not a record for most runs in a Super Regional. For a Chick-fil-A gift card, call Nick at 694-1055 and tell him which team 
which team holds the record for a Super Regional most runs? They had 23. Wake Forest only had 22. Wow. All right, and you get a little Chick-fil-A to kick off your You know, from a radio talk Monday. show point, what Alabama did was great for us because it kept everything in the headlines, whether it was good or bad, you know, going from football to May. But obviously, with football being the kingpin down here in the southeast, you, if you get a championship in football, you pretty well would be very satisfied as opposed to having the other sports doing well. Now, you know, those sports were very relevant for Alabama. Now, as far as I always look at things more optimistically than most people, I thought it was a, I'm not going to say a great, great year, but I'll tell you, for having those sports stay up there in the headlines, number one in basketball for a while, the Alabama team with a remarkable comeback, which we never saw coming, softball, uh, getting to where they did even without their star player getting hurt. Yeah, I mean, I I would say it was a very, very good year. Obviously, with football team not winning a championship, though, that would kind of put a damper on it. You look at Georgia, they win a championship in football. They got to be happy because football rules, even though they didn't do well in any of the other sports. So the question was, uh, you take those four sports now that those seasons are over, football, basketball, baseball, and softball. Would you deem them overall a success or a failure. You can hit us up and let us know. Yeah, you're talking about each sport or the whole the whole year, the whole as year. a whole. As a whole, would you comp- would it be deemed a success or a failure? I would say as a whole, it's a failure. I would say it was successful. If, why? Why? Why would you say? Because they all did well. They just didn't win a championship. And again. I don't always look. I know how difficult it is to win a championship. So there was sports there where we didn't see this coming from basketball. We certainly didn't see this from baseball. Softball, we expected them to do well, but to get to where they did, even with their star player. So from a standpoint, only football failed to meet what Alabama fans had basically felt as uh But wasn't, as the, wasn't this the best basketball team that Alabama has ever put on the floor. I remember y'all all picking them to win it all. I didn't who picked them to win it all? Did You didn't have them winning your bracket? Oh, you're right, I did. <laughs> Not everything. I or did I? Maybe no, you I had did. Them winning the bracket. Did I have them winning the whole thing? My point was it's the greatest team ever assembled or at least that was the narrative. Yeah. And they didn't get they didn't get past the sweet 16, which I I figured he was going to bring up, which Nick guaranteed. Right, you have the most celebrated softball player in Alabama history, and they didn't. They went out. They they were out zero and two. Right, they went zero and two. Yeah. Football. Oh no, no, wait. They went. Uh, they did win one. And and football. It's always college football playoff or national championship, or bust, and they didn't get there. And, and yeah, the I, fact that an SEC team won it probably makes it worse. So uh, three of the four, it's easy to make an argument that it, it it was it was a failure. So I the only thing I would say about baseball is I, I would say baseball was a success based on uh, all the turmoil and everything that took place. Now I know other people turn around and look at that basketball team and say, man, look at all the stuff they went through. Very um, true, and that's why we're having the conversation because it's not it's 
you know, you can make that argument for on either side because the the flip side of that is Alabama was relevant in each one of those seasons um for one reason or another which by some I think by your definition would would deem it a a a positive well I, again I haven't placed much thought on this until you brought it up and uh, can you find a program out there that with all four sports that we're talking about did as well as they did at least to be in the hunt granted they didn't win and that's why i brought up too would you rather let's say trade all of that for one championship in any of the sports certainly football here in the southeast uh, with georgia i'm sure they could care less uh you know if if you said okay the trade-off we win a championship in football but doesn't matter what we do other from a talk show radio programming it was great for us because the season was so polarizing for Alabama you had the ups and you had a lot of downs which gave us something to talk about plus the fact that the teams were relevant and to go through all four sports and have them all being relevant with the hope that maybe they'll get to a championship caliber or at least to a tournament and give you hope that they could possibly win well but but baseball was only relevant because their coach was betting on games <laughs> does it hurt worse when, when when is, that's why they were relevant does it hurt worse when there is hope and then it all becomes a failure like oh. if there's no hope at all can you kind of just ride it off i, I guess? think well that's that depends how you look at it i if i'm rooting for a team like would you rather root for the oakland a's in baseball or a team like uh, tampa and the braves knowing you're going to postseason but a team like Oakland with no hope at all, uh, you maybe have the worst record. So I, I'd go for the, uh, the the teams that are at least have a chance to give you some hope other than no hope at all. I don't know how you guys feel. Yeah, but, but if that's there's no hope, then you're pleasantly surprised when something goes well. See, Lee would be the guy who didn't have the date and went to prom, but then when he saw his <laughs> friend that went with the hot chick get ditched, he'd, like, really be roasting her. Roasting her or roasting him? Him. Yeah. I can see that. All right, what's up next? John Richelli, Millite Golf Report. We're talking form tackling by security next. This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. 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 Here are Mark and Lee. All right, 804, hour number three. We've hit a number of topics today. Thanks for making us part of your morning as we continue. Uh, we'll talk to Bobby Pruitt, the Theodore linebacker, and his father, Hedrick Pruitt, coming up at 830. All right, some headlines. Novak Djokovic wins his 23rd Grand Slam men's singles, won the French Open for the third time. That's an all-time record for most singles titles for Grand Slam events won. Alabama eliminated by Wake Forest 22-5. The Demon Deacons blasted nine home runs in their win yesterday. Mark, they had 12 home runs in 18 innings against Alabama pitching in that small little ballpark. They become the first overall number one seed to advance to the College World Series since 2018. And get this, it's the first time they're going to the College World Series since 1955 when they won the championship. So uh, congratulations to Wake Forest. 
Uh, right now we got, let's see, LSU and Florida are in the College World Series. We'll find out today if Tennessee or Southern Miss goes. They play game three. Lots going on in golf. Usually, I'll tell you the truth, usually when we talk, there's not much about the Canadian Open except for John Ricchetti, who is from Canada. But yesterday, Johnny, we've been talking more about that security guard who tackled Hadwin than we have been about Taylor's 72-foot putt. I wanna, we wanted to get your take. Was the, uh, the security guard overzealous, or was he in the right to come out and tackle Adam Hadwin, who was trying to come out and celebrate? Well, I guess that's, you know, it's obviously social media is blown up with this story, this story or incident that happened, which, by the way, Adam Hadwin is uh, good with it. He's... It is what it is, and uh, his camp is, you know, he's focused on the U.S. Open. But uh, I guess, you know, you never know who's, you know, you know I mean, realistically, security people are, that's their job. I mean, they didn't know who Adam, I guess they didn't realize who Adam Hadwin was, and, and all those Canadian players were waiting on the, you know, the playoff there to greet, you know, hopefully uh, Nick Taylor. And uh, he just ran out there with a ball, you know, the champagne ball, and boom, the guy didn't realize, tackled him. And, but anyway, they, you know, they, they put the incident to bed after a few minutes, and they continued to celebrate with Nick Taylor, all the Canadians that were there. It was a historic day in Canada golf, and obviously uh, a historic putt, 72-foot 70, putt uh, in the, on the fourth playoff hole against Tommy Fleetwood, by the way, who is still he's still looking for his his first PGA Tour victory, and uh, he couldn't get the job done. But congratulations to Nick Taylor for winning the Canadian Open, and uh, you know now we're all eyes are focused on the third major of the year, the U.S. Open at L.A. Country Club, uh, which will kick off this Thursday. Uh, looking really forward to it because a lot of prime time golf, uh, you know, in the evenings we'll watch this and so forth and. Uh, it'd be pretty cool to watch, you know, into eight, nine o'clock at night watching the watching golf on primetime television. So looking forward to that. We'll talk about that in depth tonight at six o'clock. And a big shout out to uh, the Country Club of Mobile, their membership, their staff for putting on a great Alabama State Amateur Championship this past week. And uh, golf course was spectacular, and all our, we were well represented by a lot of local players here in Mobile, Baldwin County, and we'll have an in-depth talk about that also tonight at 6 o'clock from Felix's Fish Camp. Hey, if you were at that golf course and Nick Taylor wins, and I don't know if you – do you know him personally at all? or he, no, okay. I, I, no, I do not know him personally. But if you went I know, out there, you know, honestly, I know. Right, but if you went out – and there were a lot of people on the green. It wasn't just a uh, headwind. So if you happened to go out there and congratulate him and somebody tackled you, you wouldn't be too happy about it. No, but I mean, no, I wouldn't have been. But I guess, I guess at the end of the day, I mean, Mike Weir was with them. Oh, there's a bunch of. I see Taylor Pendrith was there. There was a bunch of Canadians that were there waiting, uh, just like they were. There was a bunch of uh, international players. A few of them, uh, you know, I know Terrell Hant was still there. It felt like a Ryder Cup, a President's Cup, so to speak. Uh, you know, down in that playoff with the fans really rooting on. You know, obviously Nick Taylor. And, and so forth, but you know those things do happen. The, the security is there to, to do a job, and somebody running on a green. I guess his job was to tackle him, but I guess he didn't know. But you know, fortunately, he was not hurt, and uh, you know we can push this aside and move on to the U.S. Open. Who do you like in the U.S. Open? Who's your favorite today? 
Well, I tell you, you know, this Rory McIlroy, even though I, for some reason he's uh, he can't, he, he can't, you know, that 70, 72 holes come the last mat round, he cannot close the deal. I, I, I'm not, I like the way this guy is kind of nibbling at the door, kind of teasing us with his play, and then even though he, he falters in round four, but I, I was got a funny hunch that Rory McIlroy might be uh, in the hunt this week. Hey, John, thanks so much, man. Never a dull moment. We appreciate the time and have a good week. All right, guys, talk to you Friday. That's John Ricchetti, ladies and gentlemen. All right, you guys can jump in. 694-1055 is the number. Uh, so, let's see. Uh, the Heat mascot got knocked out, allegedly, by Conor McGregor. Uh, John Sterling almost got knocked out by a baseball and a ricochet in one of the greatest clips of his uh, illustrious career. We got a golfer being tackled. For celebrating a, a, a countryman's victory. The city of Hattiesburg, by the way, you haven't even talked about this. The city of Hattiesburg is under siege by Tennessee fans who say they the, the city sucks because they can't even keep a, a Applebee's open. And the city of Hattiesburg then actually uh, clapped back on Twitter. I mean, we're it's just a very violent time in this country, Lee. Can you imagine? Johnny was talking about, like, remember back when, I guess, Kepka one and they had other live golfers and if they went out to congratulate and a security guard brought down phil mickelson or something like that can you imagine the reaction i mean i guess because this was in canada and many people don't know hadwin but think about if this was like dustin johnson or phil mickelson going out to congratulate running onto the green after a live golfer won a major like that i'm sure the reaction would be a lot different than what we're seeing today you guys can jump in by the way, as long as we're brawling and having all these kind of chaos. Uh, Floyd, chaos is a good word for it. Uh, Floyd Mayweather in the ring, some kind of exhibition that turned into a brawl, too. Against John Gotti the third. Yeah, yeah. So after the sixth round, apparently the ref called it. Gotti went, continued to go after uh, Mayweather, who, by the way, was in complete control of this ridiculous thing called uh, an exhibition. And so he kept fighting. Then everybody and their grandmother was in the ring before you could, before you knew it, and it, it kind of turned into a little bit of a brawl. Just a very violent weekend, all across. But Baby Gronk got some love because, well, <laughs> a Riz moment for Baby for Baby Gronk. He makes everything better. There we go. We just we just summed what? up the whole show. Oh, and we're having this debate. By the way, there are people. Uh, at odds about this whole uh, Alabama thing. Um, baseball success, other three failed. I agree with that statement. I agree with that statement. Uh, Bama had the best player in football, basketball, and softball and underachieved. I also agree with that statement. The basketball team should still be embarrassed, according to one lis uh, listener. That wasn't me. No, it wasn't you. Wasn't You're me. quite the opposite. You're Mr. Optimistic Glass Half-Full. I think unrealistic when you say they had, you know, one player doesn't make a team. This is not like golf. This is not like tennis. You got Bowling. a whole bunch of people that uh, are out there also. Name another quarterback you'd rather have last year than Bryce Young. Caleb Williams. Yo, really? I'm, I, you just said name a quarterback, so the first one that came to mind. I mean, You'd rather have him than Bryce? Not necessarily. You just said name a quarterback, so I did. I said name a quarterback <laughs> you'd rather have. 
than Bryce Young last year. No, Bryce would have been it. Okay, name a softball pitcher you'd rather have. Name any softball oh, pitcher. Oh, come on now. I don't know any okay. softball pitcher. Okay, I'd like a a softball pitcher who wasn't hurt like she. Okay, I'll tell you who. There's a pitcher on Oklahoma, <laughs> but I don't know her name. You know what? There's so many softball pitchers I've seen the last couple of weeks. I don't even know who they are, but they all throw, like, what, 70 miles an hour and He's so forth? He's talking to himself again. <laughs> Yeah, well, you asked the question. You name I don't. One. I don't need to answer in 67 different parts. Well, you asked the question. I mean, if she but was But generally she people hurt. formulate their answer to themselves and then share it with everybody. No, you're no, kind of no. you're trying well, to work that, it out. That's my ADD speaking. Lee looks at failure like Giannis does. Oh, here we go. <laughs> oh, now I have a, a psychiatrist consulting me. Cuz w- w- what did Giannis say? There is no failure, right? Say do you go to your job every day? Well, and you I get don't. A raise? I don't look no. at like Is if you don't failure? win a title, no. it's a it's a failure. Just you Your know, steps I, to success. I don't. I don't like you know. I I look at success to getting to places and so forth. I'm not like Mark. Mark's so negative. Every time a team doesn't win, it's a failure. Except baseball. Look at his face now. Michael Jordan played in the league 15 years. He wins six rings. Those other nine years are failure. they failure? Failure. So would you say that – so you're saying the Alabama football season was a success? Yeah, they, they were successful. Okay. They only had two losses, and each was what, by one or two points? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But obviously I don't speak for Alabama fans so who consider it a failure if you don't win a championship. See, I'm not like that. It doesn't – I know how difficult it is to win championships. All right, how about this, Lee? When would you say the last – was the last season that Alabama football had that was a failure in your eyes? Oh, I guess you'd have to go back to when Saban's first year at seven and five. How's that a failure? <laughs> because they didn't. They won more than they lost. It's a step oh. to success. Okay, then we'll go further back. Then uh, let's see. I, I'm just saying you're sending mixed signals. No, I'm not. I I look at sports differently than you. I realize how tough it is. Only one team's going to win. So in your opinion, everybody else is a failure. If you don't win, according to Mark, it's a failure. To me, I, I look at no, it. No, it's, it's a failure. Ba- it's it's it, success and failure are based on uh, expectations. I mean, you go back a few years ago and you'd say, boy, if Alabama ever got to be number one, that would be unbelievable. Well, they did. I mean, and we had the same talk about Auburn and then you cast the damper on them when they didn't win or do well in the championship run. After they were number one. I mean, this state has never really been up there in basketball. So you get to that point. But let's face it, it's tough to win a national championship. Very difficult. Do you think if the valedictorian of a high school 4.0 GPA got a C plus on her (laughs) final, would that be a failure? Probably to them it would be. I, it's funny you bring that up because my granddaughter, I think she gets nothing but A's. And I said, what would ever happen if you got a B? And <laughs> she looked at me like, what? I don't, it's like, I don't, what do you mean? It's like, it's like me, I, I would have been. So thrilled. would that be a disappointment? If, if, a, if, a, if a student who Look, always got A's this. got a B or C, would that be a disappointment? Would that be a failure? Oh, I can't speak for that individual, but for me, you if I got a B. You speak for sports in every team in this country. I speak the way I feel, not speaking. I told you I don't speak for I'm speaking on how I feel about sports. But you sports. speak on everything. So is sports and academics different when it comes to expectations? 
Well, I wouldn't think so. No, everybody's so got it, their own expectations. So that would be a success if a valedictorian got a C plus. More than F. If, if if the valedictorian if the valedictorian needed a C if if they needed an A to get the valedictorian stats on the final exam but they got a C plus you wouldn't probably and didn't be get a, to be a valedictorian would that be failure. deemed a failure I'm sure if you talk to that person get their reaction to me I if I got a B I'd be happy about it but you but you also wouldn't have had A's your whole life no I didn't yeah did okay. did you no did you Nick were you an A student when I tried, but see, I realized <laughs> from a young when age you tried. that I could be an A student. Wait a minute, so you mean you're a loafer? Oh, there's no question. Um, you you, you see, just don't you give up? No, there's a saying uh, from Bill Gates, one of the richest men in the world, <laughs> that, <laughs> that he, convinces he would rather hire the laziest person as opposed to the most hardworking because the lazy guy will find the quickest, most easiest way to do something. Who's paying your way? And I took that and used that throughout my whole <laughs> academic career. Who's paying your way through college? <laughs> uh, the government. Okay, so it's and not— your, your tax dollars. My tax dollars. Thanks. And you're not trying— you don't try all the time? Do you go into a test and you don't care? I go into a test and I don't have to try and I'll get an A on it. Some people are just gifted like that. I was a PACE student. What can I say? Lee, do you subscribe to a good loss? Uh, one of our listeners wants to know. Well, you'd have to define who they're playing and what's at stake <laughs> and so forth. I'm not going to answer a question like oh, that. Oh, so what's expectations count in that scenario. A good loss. What's a good loss? I'm I'm not like that. What's a good loss? Uh, I've heard you talk about this. You've 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 interviewed people and you say, oh, what do you take away from the loss? Is this a good loss? I don't buy into that. Uh, I think if a let's say a team, a team that has struggled but plays a or competes with a team that is championship caliber and comes up short, I think you could say is is a stepping stone or a, a building block to a successful to season success. or program so in that turn in that way it's a good loss well you're the coach so but <laughs> i you and i disagree on this because you've asked you've interviewed many people on the station and oh is that loss good how's that going to help you i don't know many coaches who feel that way maybe maybe it shows you something on film that you didn't know and you can go correct for when the season uh for later in the season so you're good with, well, I can't even recap that. You better not. Time. Don't try. All right, what's up next? Oh, your phone call. Stay with us. Hi, I'm Bobby Humphrey, and when I'm in Mobile, I'm listening to WNSP FM 105.5. It's a Miami Heat toughness. You know, we're talking about they should have been allowed to, you know, take the first swing. Um yeah. We, we won't reveal who, who that is, but he's tough. You can take a punch and get back up. And but he didn't get back up. He's talking about the mascot, right? What was his name? Heady, hottie? What? Bernie. Bernie, whatever. Bernie, get it like burn. Yeah, I get it. But dude got laid out by Conor McGregor. They literally dragged him off the court by his feet. I'm not convinced, though, 
that 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 actually happened. I, I think some of that was staged. I mean, that headgear's got to have a little padding to it, right? Have you, ever tell been, you. have you ever been a mascot of anything? Never. Couldn't Is that what you. you did, Nick? Were you like the the Viking or something? It no in high school. Actually, I think it's. I think most mascots, if I'm not mistaken, are all uh, performed by females. Not in those beer in commercials. The, in the high school. Remember, they're sitting there. In the high school ranks. Because normally they'll be like part of the cheerleading team, which is predominantly female. So you just kind of throw one of the female cheerleaders up in the costume. I'm not sure that's accurate. I'm pretty sure it is. Mm, I mean, I'm sure it could happen at some schools. I'm just saying, Nick, we had a f at my high school, we had a female wearing that bearded Nick, mustache. To, uh, <laughs> to get clarity on this, you should call all the high schools to prove Mark wrong today and ask them who their mascot is, male or female. Uh, I, could get, I could get them all to agree with me and give the facts to Mark, but he wouldn't see them or read them or process Well, you did them. a great job in getting the uh, high school jerseys here, so that's why I brought that up. Thank you, Lee. What do you think about these uh, posters I got on the wall? I was commenting on that to Mark off the air. Very successful. All Wh of them. Who's your uh, favorite out of the four? Well, I only see three. Oh, Hank Aaron. I've not <laughs> seen that one. <laughs> but I'm not looking at it. I'm going oh. to take a picture and put it in the app to show exactly yeah. where he didn't see that. I didn't see <laughs> Hank Aaron. All right, all right. Here we go. Well, putting I, it. I guess you'd have to say Aaron would be one. But what I want, I asked Mark, how did you get them, like, blown up like this? You see, that is just, you know, I went to school for graphic design, Lee. I'm a man of many talents. You've so said I, that many times. Uh, you I, don't uh, have to keep uh, drilling that into us. We We know that. Well, you asked the question. He said he didn't know, so I was telling you no, why. No, but I'm just saying, did you buy them like this, or you did it yourself? Well, you see, I'm a graphic design guy, so I went in there, and I upscaled the images. How did you get that expression on uh, Cousins? Uh, it, it came that way. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, he looks like he's... <laughs> okay. Corey told me that was from their final four game that they lost. So did you uh, did you print them out on our new Dex imaging uh, <laughs> printers? <laughs> I don't know if the uh, if the papers are big enough to yeah. put in. My there. gosh, this one on Aaron looks like he was about twenty years old. All right, folks, go to WNSP.com right now. Check out the picture I'm getting ready. This is this is how close Lee was to this this picture, this poster on that our he wall. Didn't see or know for the last there. two hours and twenty eight <laughs> minutes, he has not seen it. But I'm gonna put it in there for you. Putting it in there right now for him, Lee. I'm not sure how you could. You know, see the it. Uh, one with Brazil is a collector's item since the Houston Oilers don't exist anymore. That's right. All right, there it is. Boom. And AJ McCarron rounds out the top four. Yep, in the St. Paul's uniform. Was that during the playoff game? I couldn't tell you. Uh, coming back. Little high school football news. Theodore linebacker Bobby Pruitt. Stay with us. Nothing really screams 80s quite like 
that theme song. Welcome back in. 8.32 here on a Monday. Thanks for hanging with us. Segment brought to you by South Alabama Athletics, connecting the city to the campus. Back to Hancock-Whitney on September 9th when the Jags football team takes the field. You can get your tickets at USA Jaguars at uh, .com slash tickets. All right, uh, we're trying something new today. We've got two guests on the line with us right now. Do we have uh, Bobby uh, Pruitt on the line with us? Bobby, good morning. Bobby, you with us? Apparently we did, but now we don't. It sounded like we did. I hear some noise in the background. Oh, we're going with Dad first? Oh, Edric. Edric, good morning. How are you today? Good morning. Good morning. Okay, Edric Pruitt, former Southern Miss uh, football star, went on to the NFL, played for Seattle, drafted by the Falcons, played in a Super Bowl, and we're trying to get your son, Bobby, on the line. Bobby, are you with us this morning? Mm -hmm. Good to have you on. All right, Bobby, let's start out with you. Uh, you made a commitment over the weekend. Tell us where you decided to attend and why. Uh, I decided to uh, commit to Miami because uh, the way it feels like home, uh, it treated me already. You know, players often say that it feels like home. In what in what regard? I've often wanted to ask a player, what, what was there that – attracted you so much that you felt so at ease there at Miami? They had a plan for me already. They had like a three-year plan, which I'm trying to do between them with my diploma right here. Uh, also had great education. They've been consistent with me, talking to me. And it just felt like I was already at the team. So like I was already playing. You had a number of offers, I understand you. I think you had, what, Alabama, Auburn, and a whole bunch of offers. Um, what Was there a reason that you decided to go outside the state? Uh, no, no reason. It ain't really mad at me. No, but outside the state, state, in state. I just want to play football and start quick as I can. Bobby Pruitt with uh, Theodore High School, defensive back, linebacker. Edrick Pruitt's his dad, who's also coached him, and Edrick's on the coaching staff now with Theodore. Edrick, has recruiting these days a lot different than when you were coming through the ranks? Oh, yeah, it's, it's completely, completely different. It's, um, it's actually mind-blowing to me how much, you know, the recruiting thing has changed as far as in the, the official visits and, you know, just a, the NIL part of it, it's, it's, it's mind-blowing. Bobby, in your conversations with Miami, did NIL come into the uh, conversation? Uh, I, I they didn't talk to anybody NIL. They probably talked about Mama, so I can't really tell you. Okay, because we've heard stories about Miami. <laughs> I've <laughs> heard stories about Miami and NIL before. I was just curious. I don't know what you can talk about, but, uh, you know, more more power to you if it works out that way. Edric, uh, did you have uh, – was the family involved in uh, Bobby's decision? Did he come to you and say, hey, look, what do you think? Um, yeah, we pretty much had a good input on it. You know, we, um, as our parents and, you know, family as a whole, we kind of, you know, let him kind of decide where he wanted to go because at the end of the day, like I told him, you don't want to have to go to school. We already been in school. His mom been in school. So it's wherever he felt comfortable at. 
Uh, Bobby, Markheim, thanks for jumping aboard. Uh, what's what's your relationship with your dad with that whole coach, player, slash father, son? Are you, are you the type of family that likes to, as soon as the game is over, we're still talking about it around the dinner table, or do you try to separate that kind of stuff? Uh, it's like, it's all balanced. Like, it's just always, my dad is very for me. He taught me everything I really know about football. So, basically, we off the field, it's always go out to spend time to when on the field, it's like, that's my coach. So, I don't, you know, like, I just spent him about to teach me where I get where I'm at. Edric, you want to pick up on that and share the story we talked about yesterday? What, what, what do you remember? You coached your son for a number of years. Can you pick out a incident or two that you'd relate to our audience? Um, this way he was he when he was younger. And, you know, me and him, I, I always had discussions about it. You know, attitude. He used to get real upset because he's real competitive like me. So he used to get get upset when he was probably about five or six. And he just quit playing. And it used to frustrate me to death and we used to get into a little argument on the sideline. But the older he got, the more mature he got. And it's, it's, it's like night and day at this point. Bobby, what was it like to grow up with a father who played in the NFL and actually played in a Super Bowl? Did that mean a lot to you? It means a lot of people. So I compare, my, so I compare me to my daddy, which is uh, like to be two different people. But it's cool, though. Edric, uh, did you have a preference uh, about him staying in state so maybe you could go see him play more? Or the fact that he's going to Miami, are you okay uh, with seeing him play every weekend? It didn't matter. He could have went to Oregon. I'm, I'm coming. We just have a real close bond and a real close relationship. So, like I told him, it doesn't matter where you're going, Daddy, come. Well, I got to get on a plane and hop on a Greyhound. I'll be there. The Greyhounds take extra time. They stop everywhere. I don't recommend. I don't recommend the Greyhound. I, it's just me. So, Bobby, uh, you're listed as a linebacker, defensive back. What does Miami have in store for you? You said they have a plan for you. They have me playing a lot of this tonight. The packages got me playing with Sam, Mike, Star, and Willie. So basically, all the linebackers are missing, and sometimes the safety car can cover. Okay, Bobby, you got a new coach in town. His name is Steve Mask. You went through spring with him. Uh, much different than what you had before? Uh, not really. But Cole Mag got hit ways from Coach Carter. Cole Mag treated me like one of his kids, so if he cool coach, I like him, so. Edric? Edric, what do you think about that, the coaching change to Steve Mask? Um, are we going to see much different? Uh, was there a different tone during spring practice? Yeah, he's more of a laid-back guy. You know, he, um, you know, Coach Collier was one of those. He's going to get it, get get you fired up. He's going to get on you when you're wrong. He's going to push you to the limit. Coach Mask more, he's going to push you, but he has a different way of pushing the kids, if I can say, if that makes sense. Edric, I'm curious, uh, at what point in your son's career uh, was it no longer an option for you to put him in his place physically if you had to? Um, probably his ninth grade. He probably <laughs> ended up getting taller than me. I was like, okay. <laughs> Bobby, Bobby, is that, is, that, is that pretty accurate now, or could you have taken him a little bit younger? Uh, that's pretty accurate. I, 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 I thought I was starting, I got, I got getting bigger. 
You were like, okay, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Etrick, I, I just assume you would you would never admit that that that, that he was going to be a, a formidable opponent physically. Oh yeah, we we got a couple little wrestling matches, and all I know, my feet was in the air before I knew it. I was like, okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm done wrestling. You you, you 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 at that you at that point where you take Advil before you go out to practice, huh, Etrick? <laughs> what you say? Yep. <laughs> So Bobby, uh, I know I know the the general tone is we play them one at a time, but any way, shape, or form, you've got Sarah Land circled on the map for next year. Uh, yeah, sir, I like, but I'm not just saying that. Sarah Land, but Sarah Land have a lot of my good friends in there, so I hardly want to compete against people I play with or play against since I was younger. It'd be fun because we all know each other very well. We all cool each other after the game. But during game, we like, oh, yeah, we can get through it. It'll be fun. Edric, what would you like to see your son do better this year? Um, become more of a vocal leader. He's, he's more like me. I, I, he played with his actions. He'll say a couple of words, you know, this and that. But just mainly being that vocal leader out there on the field is probably the one thing I really want to see him do better because at the end of the day, you a senior, so now it's your team, your defense. Guys, so the, you got to be that guy. Yeah, I, the the turnover chain at Miami has been retired. Is there any way we can unretire that now, Bobby? Since you're going over there. Indeed, I I'm, I'm retired. All right, I, I didn't know if that came up in the uh, recruiting process. That those guys, I think it was last year, about this time last year, they it was announced that they were retiring that thing. Edric, I mentioned to uh, your son about Sarah Land, and you, you you had some of the greatest games last year, Sarah Land Theodore. Um, I I know as a coach, you you got to say we only play him one at a time. You know our next opponent, but deep inside, uh, you really looking forward to that rematch this coming year. Oh yeah, oh, that, that's every year. You know, me, me and Jeff Kelly, we real friends, real, real, real good friends. You know, that was my quarterback in high school. So, it's always love every time we go against each other. But I'm competitive, he competitive, and we've been like that ever since college. So, it's always one of the greatest games I always look forward to. So, uh, the timeline, you played at Southern Miss when Jeff was there? Yes, sir. All right. Uh, I didn't know. Did you ever intercept any of his passes in practice? Yeah, a couple of them in practice. Most of the time, he's real smart and real crappy. He, he almost like a red fall. He'll throw a side on and I'll be like, man, what in the world? <laughs> so we always competed like that in, in college. That's why I think back then, so the miss is like it was because of the competitors in, in so, practice. So the question I have for you, though, in college, if you ran a 40-yard dash against him and you gave him a 30-yard head start, how bad would you still beat him? Nah, he'll, he'll beat me with the 30. Now, if I give him 10 yards, I might catch your will. He was way faster than what you thought he was. Okay. All right. Uh, I'll, have to, I'll have to get that confirmed next time he's on the show with us. Hey, uh, guys, uh, congratulations on, uh, on Miami. Uh, best of luck this upcoming season. We look forward to talking to you guys long before then, though. All right, man. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Yep, congratulations, right. Bobby. We appreciate it. That's uh, Bobby Pruitt and Etrick Pruitt right there.
Bobby uh, committed to Miami. Uh, both Theodore Bobcats. How about that? All right, one final segment of the day. You guys can uh, jump in at 694-1055. Of course, get us in the app. Uh, we'll set the table for the rest of the day, give you a sneak peek into tomorrow's show as well. 844 here on a Monday edition. It's the opening kickoff. Hi, everybody. Jennifer Hale here from the NFL on Fox. And you're listening to 105.5 WNST in Mobile. final segment of the day want to thank uh you guys for uh, joining us on the opening kickoff what you got uh cooking for tomorrow well tomorrow we may be wrapping up the nba season with denver and miami playing tonight in denver the chances are that denver could win this series four games to one uh we'll also uh give you a, a preview of the college world series because the final two games will be played today and We'll take a look at some of the matchups. We've got two SEC schools in there. Tennessee could be a third. Uh, Tony Ruggiero of Dew Sweepers is going to be on with us tomorrow and also later in the week. Mark, he is already on the West Coast for the U.S. Open. Uh, that's going to be in the Los Angeles Country Club. So he's going to kind of give us a, a preview of that. So just, that's just some of the, uh, let's say, segments. And we've got a few other things in the works right now. I think uh, I don't really feel like Miami's got much of a shot today. Now that I've said that, it, it, Miami will probably win. But I just think Denver's got too much going on right now. I just Especially playing at home, too. I, I don't see this going past five. What do you think there, uh, Mr. Double Dribble? And I predicted the Nuggets to win in five. So they're going to win in five. All right. Uh, so we'll, uh, we'll, get, we'll get that done. All right. Uh, Jokic have a triple-double tonight? What do you say? Mm. Yes. He says yes. Probably. <laughs> what? He's not a guy who forces stats. So if he has like nine assists, nine rebounds, he's, had, he's not going to try and get the extra. What's he had, like eight of them in postseason? Something what, like that? What's Damn. crazy is he'll grab like six or seven boards in the first quarter. You're yeah. like, dude, he could just stand on the rim and get the next three by him, yeah. you know, at some point. Um, Aaron Gordon had a huge last game. He's good. Um, Casper. It's my boy Casper, yeah. former Arizona Uncle uh, Drew Star. Um, I'm not even sure I wanted to go another game either. That's the other thing. I'm I with just, you on that. I want to see it end. I think I just want it to be over. You're ready to get Jokic his ring and go up there in the here we go realm with all the other grades. I get it. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. That'll be fun too. And Jokic, he's ready to go back to Serbia and hang out with his horses and go swimming. Do his little dances. I think he his and his brothers village. could I think he and his brothers could have their own reality show. You oh. know, them dudes are always in the stands. Well, have you seen like the videos of what he does in the off season? I've Jokic, heard about it. He he loves horses. Yeah. Like he loves horses more than he loves basketball. He like FaceTimes his horses, right? Yeah. And he's so big though that he can't ride on the back of a horse. He has to get them to pull him in a wagon. So he sits in a wagon and just, like, lets the horses take him around <laughs> the village. Could you imagine? Like, you have a thing. You have a, you, you're you fond of this dog now. Could you imagine FaceTiming with video, video calling your dog? 
or well, he he's dog. not mine. Whatever. But I'm going to pick him up today. Yeah, I think I think there's going to be some sort of. Uh, you're going to pick him up again? Yeah, he's coming to visit today. Mm. Oh. He stayed with me on the weekend too. Oh, he's like got that every other weekend type. Yeah, deal. it's kind of like for a little bit. <laughs> Is it supervised or <laughs> supervised? <laughs> No, uh, it was not supervised. Are you going to try to get court ordered? Was this court ordered? We're we're kind of like grandparents to the dog. Ah, I see. Okay, that's probably a better way of looking at it. We're like we're grandparents or godparents, and we take the dog when it helps the owner. Okay, so I didn't know if you you were fighting for custody here. No, 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 not nothing like that. So betting at the Jokic. So you say he ride? He doesn't ride the horses. He just has them pull him around in a wagon. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, he's so big, if he rode a horse, it would probably die. <laughs> I mean, well, right? He's, uh, he's like 300 and something pounds. What is he, 6'11"? You said, does he no, not enjoy Because I've, I've heard this narrative on some of these talk shows that some of these players just pay for, play for the paycheck. They really don't enjoy the game. Does he not enjoy the game? Do you not see the joy in his face when he plays? Or what do you think? You no, know, I think he enjoys the game of basketball. I don't know if he necessarily enjoys being um, like a celebrity. Um, I, don't, I don't think that part he enjoys. But he loves basketball. He just, and I think that's why the media kind of doesn't really talk about him or push him because he just doesn't really care about it. He didn't care about anything other than just hooping and horses. According to this, he's, I see it all over the place. A lot of people have him at 6'11. Uh, this has him at 7 foot, but all of them have it 284. That seems a little light the way he carries himself around the court. Nah, he's definitely over 300. He definitely weighs more than Zion. Plays a lot I would, more. I would I would think so. But a lot of folks have him at like 6'11", 284. That seems that might be like his grossly um, draft like combine or something. I guess. He's definitely thickened up a little bit. <laughs> um all right, so after us you get the uh Dan Patrick show, of course, uh the final drive will kick things off around 3 o'clock today. Corey and Michael will be on the on the mic. But uh, we'll be back for some more. We never did get a, a Chick-fil-A winner, did we? No. Oh, looks like I'm getting some Chick-fil-A. Apparently so. Um, See how I beat you to that, Nick. Can't, can't understand. All you had to do was answer Florida. Florida holds the record for most, uh, let's say, run scored in a Super Regional. They had 23 and Wake Forest had 22. I never did find. I, I kept looking. I, they said that Wake Forest tied an NCAA record with nine home runs like in a uh, postseason, but I never could figure out. Every story I read said they tied it, but they never mentioned who they in tied a it with. postseason game? Or? Yeah, postseason game. But I never could find who they tied with nine home runs in a game. That Alabama defense just couldn't stop them. Saban loses his Are you going to blame Golding on that one too? Yep. Blaming Pete Golden. Dude doesn't know anything about defense. So Lee says that uh, t- uh, basketball, football, softball, baseball, baseball, football, yeah, baseball. baseball. Those four combined a success for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Yeah, uh, when you compare that to what other school had all four sports that did as well, and maybe there is one or two out there that did. Usually, well, uh, a school will have a maybe they do well in two out of four, but all four 
did well to get into postseason and so forth. Granted, they did not win a championship, but just me, I don't. Uh, to me, not you, Mark, because I know you. F- if they don't win a championship, right, I understand what you say when you mean yeah, just you. Yeah, just me. I, I mean, because obviously, with you, 129 college programs are a disappointment because they went, didn't win a championship, and 360 plus schools didn't win an NCAA basketball tournament, so they're all failures. But to me. Yeah, that's exactly ride, what I said. Yep, the ride is good. It yeah. was a good ride for us. I like us. how you accuse me of putting words in, in, well, you do in, in my mouth. Well, that's because you do it to me. It, oh, you see, that's I, why. That's the only reason why. But the ride was good, and, and for talk radio purposes, we had a lot to talk about with Alabama this uh, academic year, with on the field and off the field. Lee, do you know the story of the tortoise and the hare? I've heard it. So how it goes is, you know, the hare, he gets right to the finish line super quickly, but because the tortoise was so far behind, he just goes and, you know, has a coffee, reads his newspaper, goes and hangs out. But then by the (laughs) time he comes back, the tortoise had already actually completed the race and won. Would you say that that race by the hare was a success? I'd like to know this. the fact that he led all the way up to that point but then lost it at the very end. I'd like to know this. What newspaper are you talking about? Uh, It's an old story. I got you. Because newspapers are hard to come by these days. Oh, you want to know if the uh, tortoise was a success by getting to the finish no, line? No, the, the, the hair. Oh, the hair. Was the hair a, was was he, it, was it a success? It was an impressive run. Not Immaculate. A, he got right to the end, but he couldn't finish. Now you're talking about individuals, not team sports. So I would <laughs> say no, not a success as an individual. Did Bryce Young have a successful season? My gosh, he had a successful career at Alabama, yeah. So you can have a successful, for sure. Can no. you have a let's see, uh, success? let's see, Mark. Uh, number one draft I'm pick in asking, the NFL. Don't get so no, touchy. no, number you're one draft so, pick. You're getting eager. Why would you even ask, guys? The number one pick in the draft. Did he have a successful season? Apparently, uh, NFL thought he did. They also thought Anthony Richardson was successful too, right? <laughs> yeah, they did. Oh, they think he'll be a success. Which is it? Did they have a successful season, or are they going to be successful? Well, I wouldn't exactly say the Florida Gators had a very successful season. Why not? Oh, hold on now. Why not? Why not? Why were they not successful? What was their record this year? I don't know. Six and six, something like that. But you said Nick Saban's first year was unsuccessful at seven and five. Well, so you where do you draw me the a line? Ridiculous question. When was the last time they weren't a success? So the only thing I could think of was when his first year. But you said they had a winning record, so we got to go back a little bit. Okay, so uh, so a team six as long as they have a winning record, it's a successful season. Depends how I'm you. I'm not trying to trick you. I'm just asking. No, I know what you're trying to do with your little lawyer gimmicks here about you know so putting me into a corner. So Alabama goes seven and five next year. That's a successful season, under, according to, to Lee. Putting words in my mouth, very good, Mark. I'm getting stuffed <laughs> with your uh, verbiage. Is that wrong? Did I did I misrepresent? I think so. I object, Your Honor. So what? That wouldn't All, be. Oh, let's go back. Why wouldn't it be successful? I went to this season. They lost two games by what? Two or three wait, points. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. We're almost out of time. Why wouldn't seven and five be a successful season? I don't even have to answer that. I think uh, anybody out there. Oh, because the expectation is higher at Alabama than other schools. Objection. My client's going to plead the fifth here. Uh, You're speculating. (laughs) A lot of speculation. (laughs) I hope if I ever make it onto a jury, we get somebody like Mark as the attorney. I just find it uh, interesting that 
seven and five is well to you if you don't win a championship. Eh. Seven and five. Hmm. Tomorrow. See ya. Please.